Okay, let's start the show. It's September 5th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Will Smith. Joining me today, once again, directly on the left, a kind of frustrated-looking Norman Chan. Yes, I'll explain my frustration. I'm going to put... I have the audio, so I'll put the audio at the end so people can hear how the first so, version you know of this what? conversation went. The, we're not going to do the conversation again. I think we. I think probably let's not do That's, the conversation and, and again. And for multiple reasons. One, that there's... Practicing that conversation is not a good not thing. A good, no. Especially for that topic. Yes. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm disgruntled because we just recorded... About a 15-minute conversation. Oh, more than that. No, I'm looking at the 50, clock. 50, it was. It just felt like longer. It couldn't have been more than 14 minutes. It felt minutes. like a long, a long time. Of, and it's the second time it's happened. Uh, the first time is when baby name was dropped. Uh, yes, but this was a technical okay. difficulty, anyway, not my mistake. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. And Norman Ch- Jeremy Williams is joining us on our left. Hi. Hi, He's Jeremy. wearing a cool t-shirt. Hey, hey Jeremy. Yeah. You're my favorite guest. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. It's much creepier the I second am, time. I am both tired and ignorant. What could go wrong? Um, Gary Witta. <laughs> Don't beat me. <laughs> no, no. Let's not, let's not go through the beats. It's, um, it's bad. So, uh, so, yeah, if you want to hear the lost conversation, uh, just just listen past the end music and we'll Okay. So to set up the context, uh, we were out last week. There was a dad cast last week. Yep. We didn't cover any of the tech news. We're going to cover all of that today. Or at least the high points. Uh, at least the high points. The big stuff we missed. Uh, if people don't know, Jeremy Williams, uh, an old coworker, great friend. Um, He's been on enough that we he, don't have to introduce well, him at this point, I think. For s- some new people. Um, and uh, you, a lover of Apple products. So that's yeah. very interesting. Which you need represented on this panel, apparently. So hey, I'm, I'm, I have a Mac. You seem you seem like you go both ways. I, I like to keep an open mind. Right on. No, um, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> I put my keys in the bowl just like everybody else. Um, um, okay. So, so uh, we're going to start off. Uh, Let's talk, talk about start Dragon off. Con. Right. We, we're gonna, you, you've lost your PAX opportunity. Oh, can, I, can I share a couple of high moments from okay, PAX? You can share high moments. If okay. you want the full talk about packs and and rape culture and, and, no, dick no, no, wolves well, well, and all that stuff it's at the end of the show yes because we i feel like we need to address that i don't know how i kind of feel about packs as okay. a result of the but behavior of mike and jerry the um, high points or mike specifically i guess the how, high points how many packs have you been to for context three or four okay like almost uh, since i started going i've been to all of the ones on, in seattle i haven't been to the east ones yet okay and it's gotten bigger every year it's huge all right this year this year, like they did four days instead of three, which is new. It, each day was full. And you were saying 100,000 people. I Norm said that. I thought it was 50,000 people. But it is a shitload of people either way. Wow. Um, and, and they sell a lot of one-day badges. So I'm sure each of those one-day badges, even though a lot of them are used by one person for four days, each count as a person, just like Comic-Con. Um, My big takeaway is that I think it's reached critical mass and uh, the controversy isn't worth um, it. Just making, just taking a stance on going to PAX or not going to PAX. If you want to enjoy the camaraderie, set up your own thing outside of PAX, which is what people do for Comic Con. Indie publishers yeah. book hotels outside, and they are not affiliated with Comic Con. I don't at even all. know that the Penny Arcade guys own PAX anymore. Oh, they, they do. Really? Yeah. Um, the the upshot is, I think that the good that you get from PAX 
is is very good. I don't know that it outweighs the bad that is is coming to light. So high points. Yeah, high points. Um, I played Transistor, which is the new game from uh, the guys who made Bastion. Uh, that super game, giant game. Super giant. That game is fucking amazing. With like the fifteen minute demo or whatever that they're running, ten. It seemed like it was maybe ten or fifteen minutes. I didn't actually time it. Is really really gorgeous. It's a turn based. Um, well, it's kind of a beat 'em up. It's kind of turn based. You can, if you were good at beat 'em ups, you could probably play it as a beat 'em up. If you're, if you're not, then you'll play it as a turn based thing. What, what platform? Uh, I think PS4 and PC is at launch. I'm sure it'll be on 360 at some po- or, or Xbox One at some point. Maybe 360 and PS3. Um, it has the same kind of art style as Bastion. The music is again by Darren Korb. It's gorgeous and there's break beats and it's it's really nice and, and makes me happy and smile. Um, the they do the narration thing again with this game. It is a uh, doesn't seem like it's the same same narrator who I think is on staff at at uh, at Supergiant. Um, but it's a, it's just a really gorgeous game. It's something unlike it's, it takes, it pulls things from a bunch of different games that I've never played. The thing I told Greg Casavan after I played the demo was that basically I, I'm in for whatever they do at this point. Yeah. Like if they want to make a Japanese dating sim slash fishing simulator, You're there. I'm there. Greg Casavan. Casavan. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a really good, uh, an, what they've done, what they've done and what they did with giant bombs. So the super giant games got used to, there are, a development team, Greg used to work at GameSpot, and they were friends with the Giant Bomb guys. And when they were developing Bastion, they did this series with Giant Bomb where they uh, basically sh- uh, took like 30 minutes to, once a week to follow along with the development yeah. and really put themselves out there, um, which a lot of developers, I mean, it's, it's different than... It's hard to do, I would think. Because uh, it wasn't like a pure marketing thing, too. I mean, for good or bad, it was like their journey. And uh, they built a lot of goodwill, and you got to know them a lot. And that transparency really builds this affinity for them that I think people are like developers and uh, on the editorial side, I think it's a really smart thing to do. Kind of not unlike what uh, Double Fine's done, right? Uh, ab- kind absolutely. Of. Except polished. they're a small, small, it's like, I'll put it in your terms, what Marco Arment did with Instapaper. Just being, being both a great developer, but also a personality with things to say and with, you know, interaction with the community. Here's the other thing that that um, so I, talk, I got to talk to Darren a little bit before a panel one day and and we were talking about like they had massive success with Bastion obviously and that gave them at that point they had choices and it seemed like they wanted like rather than go big and start multiple teams and do like five games and become a big big game developer they they hired enough people to fill out like a core roster of skills so they don't have to hire contractors anymore. But then they're they're kind of feeling like they they just want to keep small and just work on one thing at a time and make good games, which I really appreciate. I think that's really cool. Um, I saw the Vlambeer stuff, uh, Luftrausers, and I can't remember what the name of the roguelike is. Um, Luftrausers looks great. It's like an iPad kind of momentum shooter thing. So you you have thrust almost like a rocket, like a rocket, like a um, not like asteroids because that's not what was the what was the arcade game with like gravity wells. Space War? Space War. Um, so it's kind of like that, except for you're, you're in the sky above an ocean, and you're fighting like battleships and planes that are coming at you from a horizontal perspective on 2D. It was really fun. I think, there's, I think they did an initial Flash prototype of that a long time ago, or, or it's based off a of Flash game, and you can go try that. Um, I got to play... Um, I'm trying to think what else I saw. I saw Titanfall. I didn't get to actually play that. 
Um, What's Titanfall? It's the respawn game from the Call of Duty guys. So remember the big Call of Duty controversy yeah. where they left Act- Jason West and the team left Activision, and this they set up a deal with EA for Titanfall. Uh, I, is it exclusive on console for it's, Xbox? It's PC and Xbox One. Right. Probably coming like it's, they they doesn't seem like they have exclusivity forever, but. Uh, there's no current plans for a PS4 version. So the people I've talked to who played at PAX and at E3 said that it's it's like it's a great deathmatch game with mechs. I sat and watched it for maybe 40 minutes, watched people play for like 40 minutes, which by the time I had done that, I could have just waited in the fucking line, but I was having a good time watching people play and talking to them as they came out. It's real. It's very, very... Remember when you saw Battlefield 2142? Yep. It's what I wanted that game to be, so is what it seems like. deathmatch with mechs, but lots of like... Uh, it's vertical a, movement, so you're climbing, like yeah. running along walls. Jump jets, you mean? No, no, no. The the humans can mantle and wall run and climb up on walls. Oh, you're not in a mech. Well, you, you can. You be can in a mech. be. Oh, so wow. it's both mechs and and humans. So the the mech you get kind of like um like the the it's it. They were really careful not to say this, but it seems like it's kind of like the the perks, like the things that you get dropped on you in Call of Duty games now. So you, like, you kill like, people well, yeah. then you get time. But it mech. seems like it's also time-based. So it seems like everybody eventually gets a shot at having a mech. Um, there's loadouts for both the human, for your human character and your mech. They have all sorts of different weapons. The one that looked like the most fun on the mech was a force field that grabs incoming projectiles and then fires them back at whoever shot them at you. Um, there's a, the maps are super vertical, even beyond the walls. So like, like all the buildings around you, you can get up on the roofs of, uh, and jump from one roof to the other. And then like, that was the best way to get on the mechs. Cause if you're on the ground, the mechs 10 feet above you, 15 feet above you, they're shooting down over walls and everything. You have no cover. If you're on the rooftop, you can actually do a little more damage. It seemed like there was some kind of bullet penetration stuff happening, but I couldn't really tell. Um, and it's just really fast and looks it, – it's the first thing I've seen that looks like not a good PC game from the next generation. Not uh, a – not. It, it looks like it's better than a good PC – good-looking PC game from the current generation. Oh. It actually looks like a next-generation game. So it's, it's really interesting because those guys, they did Call of Duty, which was great on PC and then became this huge phenomenon on console. Yep. And everyone was wondering what they would do after they left Call of Duty, but they took all those lessons they've learned in these you know, high-speed deathmatch-style you know the new wave, of, new style of multiplayer combat, and did this twist on it. It's it, it looks really neat. Um, it I would say the I didn't like I said no hands on, but from what, watching it looked more deliberate than Call of Duty. Like it looked like it's a little bit slower. Looked a little bit slower than your traditional Call of Duty, which was you know a mouse and keyboard game first, um, but not as slow as like a Halo or something like that. Right. Is there a single player component? No, no single player component. So I I as I understand it, it's kind of like Brink in the positive way. In that the single player component is all fulfilled, like the the per story progression is all fulfilled by going on multiplayer on missions with other people, and things happen that are special to you or something. It's that that stuff's all a little bit unclear. Sounds cool. Um, other highlights? I'm going back to Twitter to find out what I said yesterday. Were highlights? I play. I learned to play Seven Wonders finally. I'd never played that before. It's a board game. It's a board game. Yeah, I think it won uh, the German best board game prize like three years ago. The Spiel der Jahr. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh it's great for that kind of a setting because you don't like PAX time at PAX is valuable in that there's a lot to do and you kind of don't want to spend like six hours playing Arkham Horror or something. Um, so uh, Seven Wonders is neat because all everybody does their turn simultaneously, uh, and and as a result, once people understood how to play, it went really fast. We also played a lot of Resistance. Um, I basically just carried a copy of the Resistance around. If somebody said, "Hey, you want to play the Resistance?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, I have it right here. Let's go." 
Do you play board games, tabletop games? I haven't played any of the new ones. I know it's a huge movement right now yeah. that there's a renaissance that you can you can even make your own. And there's yeah. companies that will help you do that, which is awesome. And I what impresses me most about them is that it seems like games can last. I mean, obviously you can adjust the rules, but 45 minutes, you know, or an hour. When when the box says 30 minutes, it can actually be 30 minutes. Yeah, because I'm used to Monopoly, you know, which was hours, and that's not fun for hours. Right. Or Game of Thrones, which is not fun for. Well, it's fun. Sometimes fun for four hours. Sorry about that. You linked to a uh, to an image of a space based uh, board game, Eternal. Oh, um, uh, Eminent Domain. Eminent Domain. That game's great. And it, uh, just the graphics alone had me hooked. I want to play that. Well, you should come down to the house and we'll play that game. I would like to. Um, it is. I didn't play any Eminent Domain. They didn't have a copy in the loaner thing. I didn't bring my copy with me. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was really good. It's it's a really good game. It's kind of like a light four X strategy game rules in a in a board game um and there's a there's another game called eclipse that is a super like realistic portrayal of 4x like masters of orion and those types of games um but it's like a five-hour game it might be a little intense for somebody starting out eminent domain is a good place to start um let's see what else did i play i played lovers in a dangerous space time which was one of the pax 10 games it is uh two you are in a spaceship that is spherical. There are a bunch of stations inside. If you've ever played, what is it, Space Team? Space Team. If you've played Space Team, it's kind of like that, but only with two players. And the things that you might be doing inside the spaceship, like you have to fight off pirates or, or bad guys. It's called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Yes. That is a great like 80s it, uh, pulp novel. It seems like a Harlan Ellison book. Like with a great cover, I have of, no like, two eyes people, and I must like, scream. Like reaching out for each other in, in like some like zero gravity Yes. So, so two people are on That's the spaceship. That's my next indie band. You sit down. It's local, local, co- local co-op only. Um, there's six stations, I think. Like turrets on four, four axes of the thing. There's a shield that covers maybe a sixth or an eighth of the of the circle that is the outside of your ship. Uh, you can steer that in place in different places. There's a thruster. There's a huge mega cannon that just basically like fires a one eighth arc around your ship and takes out anything that it touches. I didn't realize we've moved on from board games. I thought this was very impressive. I'm going back and forth. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, there's no particular order. Um, so, yeah, it's not, this is a video game. Got it. Uh, and two, it's two-player local co-op. So you sit down on a couch with somebody and you play this, and it gets really, like Space Team, it gets really frantic very quickly. Um, you have to communicate well. I sat down and played it with a random dude that was in line with me, and we had a really good time. We Wait, played space, like two games. Space Team is iOS one. Space Team is iOS, and it's the thing where you have like different buttons. Like one person gets yeah, a, a okay. command. You're not talking about Star Command. I'm not talking about Star okay, Command. Space Team is like press the squiggly button, right? Right. Where people yell at each you, other. You yell yeah. at each other. Yeah. Um, it's I, one of the great bar games. Co-op is is a market that is just needs to be tapped better. I love co-op games. Good. Co- have you played Payback? Uh, no. We should play Payback. Um, High points. Uh, Samurai Gun. Samurai Gun is a like brawler. It's real pixel arty. Uh, it's basically one hit kills, dive kick style, and you play a samurai that has a gun with three bullets. It's four players all on the same screen. It is super duper fast. Really, really manic I'm and, not and really cool. A game where you're a samurai with only three bullets. With a gun with three bullets. With a gun with three bullets. Yeah. That, that, that itself tells you everything you yeah. need to know. Like I, I saw the pixel art on the banner. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going I'm to like this. Why? And then Max Why Tempkin was sitting there because he's publishing it. Why does apparently. he have three, three bullets? Huh. Um, Any Oculus games? I, I interviewed the guys who make that Omni Treadmill. 
they were playing Half-Life 2, I think, on it. But I, the video is, I fucked up the video, something fierce on it. So we're probably going to can the interview and just talk to them when they come to San Francisco next time. Yeah. Um, I got to see that thing in action. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's got Teflon. It's like you wear golf shoes with Teflon pads instead of foot cleats. Yeah, I've seen. And they use... Um, it's not wheels. It's just... It's, it's like a disc. It's like, it's like, you know, those snowboard, those sledding discs. Yeah. It's like that. It's that kind of thing. And then you have wait, this weird. Does the wheel actually turn on the bottom of the shoe? No, there's no wheels. It's yeah, just slides. No wheels. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's not and like a. It's not like a yeah, one no. of those uh, wheelies or whatever those. This, is the, this he- is the way yeah. to solve this problem cheaply. That's the only way yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. So right now they're using. Um, they're not connects. They're the Hydra technology, um, Sixth Sense, uh, to to detect movement. You. The weird thing about it is you also put on like a climbing belt that has hooks that go over the lip of that middle, that, that rim that goes around your waist. And the dude was really leaning into it. And like watching a man sprint when he couldn't see where he was putting his feet because he's wearing a pair of Oculus goggles, terrifying. Like he, uh, so the, the, the folks I talked to said it's like a 15-minute kind of ramp-up process usually until you kind of get your sea legs with it. Uh, you'll probably wipe out and have the belt couch catch you a couple of times while you're getting up to that is what was strongly implied. You, um, which is why they're like doing a, demos on the floor. A harness, like a you wear a harness. I mean, like for, to catch yourself if you fall. Yeah. So the harness, the harness has like a metal. Uh, if you're, you're if you're listening to the audio, it's like an L clamp that dangles out over the edge of the rim of the of the upper disc that holds you in place. So it kind of catches you. Is what it seems like. A bungee, so you can like sprint and then jump. I think then, bungee, I do not think you would want to jump. That would give you too much give. You would nail your chin yeah. on the rim. It's, it's, this seemed like you could potentially lose teeth if it went badly. <laughs> next, next version. Um, let's see. I also got to watch people play Super Time Force, which is the Cappy Games game. It is a – it's just really weird. It's like a platforming roguelike with time travel elements. When you die, you can roll back in time and then bring another person into that game. And that person is playing with the, the version of you that played the first time. Whoa. And then you die, that person dies and you go back in time and bring another person in until there's like three or four people fighting in the same place at the same time. But they're all you. And it was like you just kind of go cross-eyed after a minute or two. It looks quite a concept. It looked really neat. Um, that's kind of the hype. I, like there was a ton of other stuff. Like the, the, the best part about PAX is that indie mega booth where they just have literally dozens and dozens and dozens of games. Um, Rims Capsule, which I heard about on Idle Thumbs, I think, first. It's an iOS game, maybe on Steam now, or maybe just Greenlight, where you basically can you're building a base, and it's it's like a people placement board game, but in a video game. It's really cool. I talked to that guy for a little bit. Um, I saw the next uh, Pixel Junk game, Pixel Junk Inc., which is also looks really pretty. I don't, I have no idea what it is, but the art's great because they always are. Um, and then uh, I played Jeopardy with Dan Amrick and Chris Kohler and cool. Brett Elston from Future, which was fun. Is that going to be a video? Uh, it's probably on Twitch. They streamed it live that night. They do a game show night there now. Um, and then on Sunday, they did the Max and the Cards Against Humanity guys did a panel that was gave half of their panel or maybe a little bit more than that to a Ryan Davis tribute, which was really nice. Um, and just a bunch of us got up and shared videos and stupid shit that Ryan had done over the years. And I laughed and cried, and it was really good. So... Uh, and then, then we got to pitch Cards Against Humanity cards to the cards guys. And, and as always, they tore apart the people in the crowd who pitched the cards. No, there were t- two good ones. There were there were actually quite a few good ones. Next indie band, if they could make a Battleship movie, and then what can make next. Like, yeah. Those, those are good ones. Yeah. I watched it on the airplane. 
How did that go? Uh, I was not allowed to, and I did it anyway. Did, did it pop up a warning or something? No. When you sign in for the you know, go flight, they're like, don't do – we block HBO and Netflix, but they don't block Twitch. So I can stream it and set the like lowest quality. Super low quality. And it totally worked. Maybe a little bit of hiccuping. Yeah. It was, it was a really – it, it was, was a nice a, way to cap off back. Magical. I mean – in the magical flying, the content or magical that you were in a, I was, a, a seat magical, in the sky magical that i was in a seat in the sky watching a streaming video live live event happening because i follow because i saw people tweet the link on twitter yeah that's pretty impressive it do was, you, do, was you, do you buy the uh, mo- the daily pass or do you have a monthly thing no i bought the the trick is and you know they sell different um different it's different pricing whether you're on a phone or a tablet Yes, I did not know or, that. or laptop. Or laptop. It's more expensive on a laptop, so I bought it on my phone and then tethered to my laptop. That makes no sense. Wow, really? Yeah, I'm not, and and you do the buy two hours, get one extra hour, and for a four hour flight, I slept for the first hour and then was up for the next three hours. There you go. You have gamed the system. I, we're traveling oh, enough. It, it this was month. expensive. I paid the thirty dollars for unlimited use for it's, the next month, but then I have to remember to cancel. Yeah, it's, for, the, for the whole month, it's thirty dollars on my flight. It's like twenty bucks. Were a you day. on Virgin or were you on Delta? Delta. Different, different, so different rates for different airlines. So stupid. Yeah, they really need. They've really fucked up pricing for that in a bad way. You remember when Google was giving it away? <sighs> it, that was both wonderful and terrible. Why? Because it was terrible because everybody was using it, and so the speed was really bad. It was free though. It was fantastic, and plus they'd even lend you a laptop. That's true. Yeah, well, a Chromebook. Chromebook. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that's Pax. I got three hundred street passes, and I, I would, I met. Probably a couple hundred readers. I didn't count. I should have counted. Um, you should have walked with a clicker. I should have walked with a clicker. That would have been really dumb. Uh, but yeah, it was really... It's, you could I mean, gave everyone a number. Your number 123. We took a lot of pictures. It was fun. And we took the baby. So basically her immune system, she's, she's basically unbreakable at this point if, she's, if she hasn't gotten sick by, let's say, Friday. Um, How's DragonCon, Norm? Can I talk about DragonCon now? Yeah, now's time. <laughs> Uh, I also went oh on a trip God, last week. Oh my God, it's not streaming again. Shut no, up. No, I'm just fucking with you. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I would drop the headphone and walked away. I, I would have. I, um, now, for the uninitiated yeah. people like me, what is Dragon Con? So I'm going to tell the whole story. And we're, it'll be another half hour before we get to tech. How established is Dragon Con? It's been going on for about 25 years. Shut Really? Yeah. So, okay. Also, controversy related to Dragon Con. Yeah, also, there's, there's sexu- a effed up controversy. Um, Joey and I left uh, last Sunday. It was both our birthday weekends, basically. And we flew out to Dragon Con. We stayed with uh, Wes, my housemate. He's from Atlanta. And we actually had, uh, when we were back at Whiskey, we had a couple other writers from Atlanta. They were tested south. Um, Sam Cook and, and Bobby. Um, Fenlon. No. No, Fenlon is Wes's last name. So um, I got to stay in an actual south, southern lake house for two days. And I've, I've never done that before in my life. And where I get to wake up in the morning and go for an hour long swim at 8 a.m. and then come back and barbecue. And I was only, really jealous of if this. If only there was Wi Fi. There was at AT&T and Verizon, like uh, Wes and uh, Joey had Wi Fi, but AT&T, there were spots in the house where I could edge and I would walk around, just like leave my phone on and hopefully buffer some email. You know, there was tweets. a New York Times article for people like you, Norm. No, that was, that was a column. The Nick Bilton column was about people burying their phones in public places. It wasn't about. Uh, needing to be connected all the time. They're two different things. I just want to check email. Okay. I need to be interacting on Twitter or anything. I okay. Just, I just want to check email. You're not defensive, though. 
No, not no, at no, all. No, 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 not at all. Okay. But again, Lake House, cannot recommend it. Also, Can uh, I, you can't recommend could it? Could not recommend it enough. Okay, that was an important word you omitted there. And um, did, you, did you see any snakes or anything? No snakes. Also, it uh, brought out how, how much of a city person I am. Like, spiders? Oh, my God. That's what did it for you? There's so many spiders. It wasn't driving through Houston and you looking around saying, I don't know how people can live someplace like this. It's the fifth biggest city in the country. Uh, I mean, oh, driving like outside the perimeter, I guess, of Atlanta to to Hartwell, where, where the lake was, was interesting because it was very green. Like it was like Walking Dead setting around there, and it's like, wow, I could totally see like this is the Walking Dead freeway. What's beyond those trees? I don't know. Zombies it's freeway and just tons of trees. And oh, there's a Waffle House. There's a McDonald's. Did you go there's to Waffle Bojangles. House while yep. you were there? Did you go to Bojangles? Went to Bojangles. What'd you have? A chicken sandwich. It was a mistake. But you didn't get. You got to get the biscuit. I, I, Regardless, Bojangles was not fantastic. Uh, we were like oh. hoping, oh, we'll find some like mom and pop coffee shop or some some oh, breakfast no, place. No, this thing is a- like in, in the south, and in you know, be- <laughs> what some place you can get some gingerbread pancakes with lemon curd. Nope, not so much. Yeah. So this was more important to you than Dragon Con? No, I'm, I'm building up. Oh, I'm sorry. Chronologically. He's telling a story, man. Sorry, telling man. A story. But he got to the end first, so I thought he skipped over the... Oh, no, that's uh, where I started there. Yeah. Oh, we started two days. Gotcha. I wanted to decompress gotcha. before the onslaught of Dragon Con. And then uh, stopped by Athens, which is where uh, Wes went to school. Did you go skiing or anything while you were at the lake? Did you have a boat? Or we did you? not have a oh, skiing. We didn't have a speedboat. Okay. We had a party boat. Like a float boat. Which is great. One of those like electric motor and gas motors. I took the electric motor out to the middle of the lake and just drank beer Take and, your and played, played tabletop games. Like that's real. That's a real nerdy. I've never it, even thought about that we, at the lake, but that seems like a good on, time. On a party boat yeah. in the lake, hang out in the sun and playing, playing a card game. Excellent. A lot of fun. Um, Dragon Con. Uh, been going on for 25 years. The controversy is that one of the co-founders of Dragon Con is in litigation right now for... He's uh, a pederast, he's, dude. He's a pedophile. He is, he is, he is not convicted, but... He's settling. Yes. It's a civil suit, right? Uh, I, I think they're criminal suits. And okay. he was on probation and, and then got caught on probation. Ugh. And it is fucked up. Um, and which has turned a lot of people away from Dragon Con, and legitimately so, because this guy is crazy. But this year, the organizers, uh, they split off from him. They Did they paid, buy him they, out they or bought something? bought him out and okay. bought, created a new organization for Dragon Con. So the money that goes to Dragon Con, the, the ticket price, no longer pays for his like legal fees, which is like, that is That's wrong. fucked up. That yeah. Is, yeah, that is, that is, talk about things to stand there's against. No, there's no middle ground there. No, That's no, like, no, we no. can all agree. No, there's, there's no long blog post by the pedophile about, I've thought about this for a couple of days and here's, here's how I really feel. No, that's not going to happen. Um, so it's been to Comic-Con, been to E3, been to PAX, been to a variety of, you know, fan type conventions. Dragon Con is unlike any of them because there was no theme. There was no original theme. You would think with the name Dragon Con, it is mostly fantasy themed, right? Not so. It's just fan themed. If you're a fan of anything, there is something for you at Dragon Con. Uh, people at Dragon Con who love it and who have been going for years love to say how anti-Comic-Con it is. And they go to Comic-Con also, a lot of them. But Comic-Con is very corporate. It's you know big boots, giant exhibit hall, massive. But people are throwing you T-shirts, wanting you to sign, watch commercials, sign up for newsletters. Like Robert Downey like Jr. Like is all, there. All sort of, it's a big promotional campaign for companies of all shapes and sizes. Dragon Con has almost none of that. Zero corporate presence, even the indie stuff. The biggest company I think I saw there was like you know, book publishers, maybe for fantasy novels or um, uh, Geek Chic, the company that makes those tabletop tables and the wooden swords and stuff like that. Like that was probably the biggest company. It was. Um, other thing is 
it, there's no convention. So we're talking about how PAX is in uh, the Seattle Convention Center, a massive, and you know, Comic Con's in San Diego Convention Center, WonderCon in Anaheim, and you have these. The, when you think of a convention, like a fan convention, you think of a big space, exhibit hall space. People stay in hotels around it. They kind of converge in that space and like use the lobbies and stuff like that. DragonCon is only in hotels. It's in five hotels in downtown Atlanta, which are connected with these sky bridges. But it's fifty-seven thousand people in the hotels, five hotels for the week for the weekend. And so, what do they do? Right? You can't just stay in your room all day. So the way the hotels are laid out is that they're all atrium-based hotels, like you know the Luxor in Las Vegas. They're all they have giant, you know, you, like the like the tower in Judge Dread, in Dread. Yes, where if you walk to the center, it's all the rooms are facing inward, and it's this giant like forty-seven story you know atrium in the center, and you have this big basically multi-floor plaza area, and everyone just hangs out there. Uh, there are panels, so some people do go to panels. Adam and Jamie there were were there for panels. So I wish I brought my DragonCon um, uh, guide, the, the book they give you when you first go there, because everything's split into tracks. So if you want to follow a certain track, you can go to these panels or these events. So you have your standard writing track, fantasy novel track, science fiction track. There's an alternate history track where just panels about, let's think about what would happen if, you know, in, if steampunk was real. Or there's a steampunk track. There's an armory track where people talk about guns and swords and you know, and, and, and things like that. There's a puppetry track, uh, science track, anything that people can get obsessed and, and have fun about. There are at least half a dozen panels throughout the weekend for them, big and small. Um, but mostly, it's just a big party. People get in costume, and it's a huge cosplay convention. And they just put on their costume in the morning, walk around, hang out in the uh, the, the atriums, and drink. And catch up with friends they know online and meet people and and just party and it never ends. There's no so, problem drinking in public there. Nope, it's inside uh, a hotel, it, so it counts as a bar. Hotels, yeah. Huh. So yeah. what's what's the like? Is this the theme of the con cosplay? No, the theme of the con is being a fan, like like a fan of anything. Fan of anything. Okay. And it, are there more people in cosplay than at so Comic Con? Comic Con, I think, is 150 or 200 thousand people. Yeah. Percentage wise, I felt. Out of place, not wearing a costume. No kidding. At Dragon really? Con. And there were, you know, people walking around. There were no, like, very few families, but they were, like, but very few, like, the, the gawkers, like, at Comic Con, they have tons of, like, people, oh, I got, you know, it's more gawkers than fan, than costumes. At, right. right. At Comic Con, a great costume walk around, you have, like, 50 people surround them trying to take pictures with their cell phones and whatever. Here, people are just casually walking around in the most elaborate costumes, and it just looks normal. You know what would be amazing is if, people in the costume started taking pictures of the gawkers like people the are normals. like like you have like a jack sparrow and a couple of stormtroopers and a boba fett taking a picture of some dude in in uh you know just a pair of jeans and a t-shirt so what it felt like is these cosplayers were just being themselves in costume it really felt like it was a space station right. like a science fiction space station like the mass effect like it felt like the citadel because it was a hotel and it felt like you know it, and you, you had the long elevator weights and everything and you're just walking around like, oh, there goes there goes a Krogan. And aliens having conversations exactly. with aliens at, at the bar, right? They're yeah. just at the bar, and like different different like species of characters would would hang out and interact, and then there'd be like the humans walking around like, oh, look look at that guy over there, a wretched yeah. hive of yeah. scum and villainy. It was it was pretty incredible, and it went on until I mean, at a certain point in the evening when the panels were over, it just turned into a giant rave. 
because the lights Where? were dim in the atrium. In the atrium? It was just a party. And that's when like the craziest stuff would come out. Um, but there's multiple atriums because you said there's – Yeah. There's but the, the, the Marriott's the big one. Okay. So, so that's, the Marriott that's where the party would, is. That, that's where the party was. Interesting. And, and all the big ballrooms, all the lights are turned out and people would go dancing. So does it feel like like a dystopian future? Because those hotels always – like they're very like late 70s, mid-70s so, dystopian. Uh, no, these are, these, felt, these are pretty clean. I felt really bad for like hotel staff. Oh, it's got to be terrible for them. Yeah. But I mean, they make – they make, the hotels make bank that week. So I'm sure they pass on the, the winnings to the employees, right? I'm sure. <laughs> uh, right. Um, my new also, I, I discovered a, a life hack that I don't know if I want to share. You got to share it. You said it. You got to share it. Can't bring it up. Um, yeah, it's the rules. Okay, so Dragon Con's all the elevators are the worst thing. Yeah. And Marriott has uh, those like staggered elevators. So, you mean like, the lines? The lines for the elevators. Yeah. Wow. And, like really? if you're on the fourth story, you're never going to go up and down because people on the bottom floor are going to take fill it up, and people coming up from the top. So you're going to stairs it the whole time? You, no, you want to go down to go up. Well, yeah, you got to go up you, to go down. It's like the it's like the Daft Punk you, song. You like you got to get in a packed <laughs> elevator, let everyone go, you know, go the wrong direction that you want to go, and then finally reach your destination. Um, it would you have to add like 20 minutes to your travel time if you want to go up and down an elevator. So life hack, life hack, service elevators. Service elevators are you always learn, good. You learn the code? No, no code. Learn the depends on the hotel. The entrances usually they're disguised behind like a yeah. a door with no lock. So where where are the uh, the 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 people the cleaning people and the yeah. all, all the guest services? It's like some doors on floors will just look like doors, and people don't think to open them because and you go up in the service elevator, four elevators dedicated, and no one will no one enters them. And I bumped in a few celebrities there. I can see why you wouldn't want to share this. Yeah, yeah, it could go bad real fast. Right. So so. One of the things I liked about Comic-Con is that when you go to like one of the big hotels, the Hyatt or the Marriott or whatever, the staff, the week of Comic-Con, all are wearing like slacks and nerd t-shirts. They, they, Did this happen at Dragon-Con where like people wearing flare. costumes? No. no. Well, see, so I talked to one of the, a couple of the people at, at the hotel we stayed at in Comic-Con this year. And, and they were like, yeah, this is our favorite week of the year because normally we, they have to wear suits everywhere they go. And, you know, so getting to wear T-shirts and, like, jeans is a, is a big – like, they get excited about it. Um, but the Dragon Con folks weren't wearing, like, Klingon costumes or anything? Absolutely not. What were the what were the – so what, what are the easy costumes that you see at Dragon Con? Did you – like, because, you know, you see a lot of – and I'm not saying that Stormtroopers are easy because those costumes are expensive and all that. But there's a wide range of quality in, like, Stormtrooper armor. I didn't armor. see anyone in, like, a clear store-bought Halloween costume. Like a lot of people in Comic Con, you do. mean like slutty Supergirl, which Ninja you see at Comic Con a lot, or something yeah, like that. yeah. Everything looked either high end they bought or something people made. Uh, at least that I could tell. And so, met a ton of people that I knew online, um, like, like cosplay people, cosplay people, and and, and makers and prop makers. Uh, Bill Doran, who's a Punish props from Seattle, uh, he made the Mass Effect gun that we mm-hmm. gave away last year for Octobercast auction. Uh, he uh, he was there, and it was amazing because he had, he made this uh, Skyrim um, Death Lord armor for him and his wife. Uh, Dragum, Dragger, Dragger, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, have you played Skyrim? Not enough. Okay, so so it's it's, it's a great elaborate. It, you know these these warlords died, and they, they're ghosts, and they're they're, they look like mummified mummified ice skeletons, right? Basically. Um, he was there, and that was his big costume with him and his wife. And we're walking around with him, and suddenly this claptrap 
walks up to him. So it's a, a like, claptrap from Borderlands. Like a puppet or a robot? It, it was kind of like a puppet on wheels, and someone wearing a black bodysuit behind it was puppeteering him. And Bill goes, that's amazing. That's a great claptrap. Let's take a picture with it. Uh, I, I've wanted to build one of these for, for months now. And the guy who, uh, who, who was manipulating the puppeteer took off his, um, his hood, the black suit, and it was Bill's twin brother who he didn't know was going to be there. And it looked just dun, like dun, Bill And my mind was like... They really didn't know that he, they, didn't know they were going to be there? They did not know. His, 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 all his friends and family hid it from him, and he built that claptrap. Oh, that's hysterical. And, and surprised his twin brother at Dragon Con. That's amazing. So stuff like that. Uh, at night, the crazy... Um, there's a lot of groups that like, people dress up in groups. Um, there were just people like... A mob of people hang out on the side of a, the hotel, call themselves the uh, the Brohans, um, the Riders of Brohan. So, so uh, are like, they... like like the Brohan, they had a flag and everything, but they all had like glasses and pop collars and gave out swag. And then they like stood there for half an hour and then moved to a different spot and played their music. There were people who just wore like the the horse masks, like, like weird like the, like, animal masks, not just horses, but like chickens and goats, unicorns, and with, and... with like with. Um, Oh, that's Jock. Hotline Miami, dude. Yeah, it was Hotline Miami. Yeah. yeah. So it was a Hotline Miami group. The Hotline um, Miami was super popular at PAX this year. I'd never, like, tons of those guys. It was just, like, partying. Just, like, it was, it was crazy. The, the nerd in me is just wondering, but what about the panels? <laughs> the panels are good. The did ones you, I attended. Uh, Joey attended a couple panels and so did Wes. Um, what, are the pan- what are the topics? Well, like I said, every track has a bunch of panels. So for... Uh, I'll give you an example of uh, the ones I attended because Adam was there. He did a panel panel with Veronica Belmont and Phil Plate, the bad astronomer. And that was about how to communicate science on TV and on Twitter and in popular media. Um, there was a panel. That was good. I saw that. Yeah. And, and there was a panel on, you know, I wanted to go to about like designing puppets for TV. So, you know, they have experts at every level um, just sharing knowledge and people get to talk to them afterward. Um, I, Met uh, up with uh, Frank Ibelito, who's a, a mask maker. He made Adam's Akbar mask yeah. at Comic-Con. Which is amazing. Um, and he made his own Akbar mask for himself, and he wore a, he borrowed a Darth Vader armor. So he was Admiral. It was Darth Akbar. Darth yeah. Akbar. And with the, with the hands, <laughs> Darth too. Darth Admiral. Like, uh, and choking people yeah. as Akbar. I, I, um, I'm bummed you didn't get, get to see him on the floor. I'd be interested to see how that I just got some photos, went. but I didn't see him walk around and, and interact with people. But he wasn't even like the most noticeable like cosplayer because there are so many more like yeah. crazy elaborate costumes well, well there's so should we spoil the income no that's that's okay yeah yeah like so, like at comic-con the adam when adam brings one of his costumes something that he spent hundreds of hours on that's that's better than film quality a lot of times like he really stands out because the stuff that he's wearing is much better than like looks really polished at a level that a lot of the other costumes don't from the pictures I saw from Norm's gallery from Dragon Con, like his stuff blends right in, would blend right in there uh, from a quality, pure quality level. It's really amazing. So, yeah, any, any other? So that was, that was Dragon Con. Um, we also, uh, outside of Dragon Con, did a couple other videos, um, which will be on the site. We uh, are you know, having fun with our Needler project. So we commissioned a, uh, a Halo Needler um, prop replica to, to be made, and we got finally got to see that in person and and do a video with that, and that's actually coming uh, next week. Um, and then we also stopped by a, 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 a guy who does uh, very cool restoration. I'm not going to tell exactly what type of restoration he does, but he does uh, like There's nothing mil- people military hardware restoration, which is awesome. 
antique stuff. Um, sounds good. Uh, I'm going to play some music, and then we'll, we'll, I guess, talk about technology. Are we good? Yeah. Anything good. else? I'm sure there are many It'll things. It'll come up, I'm sure. Here we go. Okay. Who does your music? Uh, Phil Reno. All right. Phil is Waffle Stomp on Giant Bomb. He did the Giant Bomb themes. He's working on a new theme for us. Right oh, now. that's exciting. Yeah. Um, maybe two. We might do one. I, I, I kind of, like, as a dude who makes music and has made music for podcasts, what is your thought on music for podcasts versus not music? Because we don't have a theme for Still Untitled right now. At the top? What are you talking about? Yeah, the, yeah like, I, I think like, it's I like a little music at the beginning of a show, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as you start with the vocal, you know, come in with yeah, some Hey, kind guys, of it's blah, blah, blah. Yep. And it's tight, tight, snappy. Yeah. I'm a fan. 45 seconds. Yep. And out. Um, Phil's great. He he's like a musical chameleon. If you say, "Hey, I want, I want something that sounds like Daft Punk cycled through Bach," he'll come up with something, and it's like, "Yeah, okay, that's exactly it." <laughs> um, we, let's start with Balmer. Balmer is the big big news of the last two weeks. I think if you look at Microsoft, who I would say it's fair to describe as beleaguered, despite making a shitload of money, they haven't had success in the new markets that they've moved into over the last ten years with the exception of Xbox. Um, and and uh, a lot of people blame Balmer, and we're going to find out real soon, the next year or two, whether that was, he was the problem, because he announced that he is retiring um, within the next 12 months. Well, Retiring from being a CEO. Retiring from being CEO. Of Microsoft. Of Microsoft. You were saying you feel sorry for Balmer. I, you know, so Balmer's been at Microsoft since the very beginning. Like, he was Not, the, uh, well, yes. almost. One of the early, early since, employees. Since Harvard. Yeah, he was. He, but he, he he didn't co-found it. it but he was well, one of the one yeah, of the very first from the time that yes. Microsoft mattered yes. on. Yes. Balmer was there. Okay. Um, he was the first person who did sales for them. Like he has been the Microsoft sales guy from the very from essentially the beginning. Norm's right; it wasn't the very very beginning. But um, so so Bill retired in what like two thousand two two thousand three. Uh, Bill Gates. I shouldn't I shouldn't yep. first name Bill Gates. Um. And then Balmer stood up to be the the CEO, and it felt like you know this is Balmer's moment to shine. And and then he became kind of a punchline on the internet, which we've yeah he was the punchline long before. He, yeah, okay, developers, developers, developers was the beginning of Balmer as the punchline, I think, because he's a big sweaty guy and he came on stage and started screaming about how important developers were, and it just made him look like a fucking lunatic. Let's just get right out and yep. okay. Um, since then. Since since Gates left, you know, my Xbox launched in what two thousand two thousand one, end of two thousand early two thousand one. Right. Um, Three sixty came out. It was transitional as Balmer took over, and um, then they basically ceded all of their phone market share uh, in the transition from Windows Mobile to to Windows Phone. Uh, it had two basically two years off from selling any phones. Have completely whiffed on the tablet thing. And Windows is Windows and the PC in general are kind of receding um, as general as like the the basic entry level general purpose computing device. And Microsoft doesn't have any answers. Now they're still making a shitload of money with both Windows and Office and the server stuff and their cloud stuff. Um, Bing is pretty much always going to be like the general consensus is that Bing has no hope of ever overtaking Google as the as the search engine of choice. Um, so, so like his his reign as CEO of Microsoft is the guy who turned Microsoft into IBM. That's his legacy. 
at this point. But he that was like the majority of what he did in terms of revenue. Yeah. Now their device is a service company, and that was all him too. That that also is all him. It may end up being great. We're not going to know that for. I mean, for they, a while they are yet. now. They, they had two options after the rise of Apple and mobile um, was to go enterprise, full IBM, or to well, f- IBM went services. Just be clear, but they so, went enterprise enterprise services, services which yeah. is where a lot of money is. Yeah, um, where Microsoft is still in. Yeah, uh, or they could do devices and and actually fight the fight. Yeah. So. Um, the devices and services strategy that he mentioned in the in the goodbye letter makes a lot more sense now uh, when we see the other big news of the last two weeks, which is that Microsoft's buying Nokia for Nokia. S- Nokia. So wait, uh, let's talk about the Balmer. They all though. go together, right. I think. Balmer is going to be gone in within twelve months. Yeah. The board has talked about uh, they're looking for actively looking there's for a, external internal candidates. There's to a CEO them. committee, finding committee. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As is there is the no case. there is no plan uh, like like with Apple. Yeah, um, but that was no obviously success. different. That was a little plan. easier to plan. Uh, that was and also for the same reasons. Yes, exactly. Uh, different circumstances. Yeah. Um, Ballmer's doing interviews right now. You know, w- with their chairman, and they're, they're He's talking, and he, he's in, he sounds like he's in spirits. What is unclear is whether this was the board asking him to leave. I, I have to imagine the in the way that they negotiate the way that this happened without a successor to because the ideal when you do this kind of thing is that the board comes in and says steve's retiring at the end of this year his replacement is the same way they did with bill when bill retired they said hey well bill 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 gates is retiring in 2003 he was he was when he stopped being ceo then no no, no. i i'm i don't know what's your question Bill is still a big part of the company. Bill is the chairman of the board. So Bill is the primary shareholder, chairman of the board. They run a lot of big decisions through him. He's not involved in day-to-day. For a while, he was like chief technologist, right. too. We're not going to have Balmer doing keynotes anywhere. You're like not going to have did. Balmer to kick around anymore. But he's not going to be present after Microsoft in any capacity. It's unclear. Like, like he's still Bill a big was. shareholder. Like, like Bill was when he, like, when he left. Yes. For several years. After. There was a, it's difficult to say when Bill Gates retired because there was a transitional period that seemed like it was like five years long, but it was probably only three. Um, ideally, in this situation, you have somebody come out and say, hey, we're, uh, uh, Balmer's retiring. Here's his successor. We have a plan, blah, blah, blah. This is all perfectly choreographed and, and well planned. When they say, hey, we're going to find somebody in the next 12 months, either that means they're going to start looking at external candidates in a big way, which is something you kind of can't keep secret. Or uh, they they the board just got fed up with Balmer's inability three point seven percent market share on Windows Phone. It was like, dude, well, time they, to move. They did the Marissa Meyer thing pretty pretty secretly. Did you read that big story in Business yes. Insider? Yes, about how they how she got that job. But that's because they knew that they wanted Marissa Meyer, right? No, they didn't want Marissa. Meyer. She she well, she came out and said, hey. And then once she said, hey, I would like this job, then it was an easy decision for them, right? Not an easy decision. She had to fight for it. Well, okay, and, and but she impressed the hell out of them. But it, that wasn't and, and like that they was, went out on a search, I guess they, is what they, I'm saying. They were going because – But right. everybody okay. knew they were going – they didn't have a secret search. What I'm saying is it's hard to have a secret search, external. Right. Everybody knew that there was no – that they needed a new Yahoo CEO. Well, they had the interim CEO. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise you if the board wanted him out. Well, there are also uh, you know, activist investors who are trying to get on the board. Um, it's all very dark night rises, isn't it? 
Yes. It all comes back to a comic book movie from last summer. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Who's Lucius Fox in this one? Is Bill Gates Lucius Fox? Bill Gates is Lucius Fox in okay. this scenario. And what you don't want is Daggett taking over Microsoft. Daggett's Balmer, right? No. Uh, Daggett yeah, is laying the, the bombs all over the city. And we want is uh, Italia, or uh, what's her name? Um, By the way, there's probably going to be Dark Knight spo- Rises spoilers here in just a second. Yeah. Um, anyway. Bomber's Bane. <laughs> the Business Week story, not the Business Week story, the All Things D story about the rise strongly suggests that Balmer was, was run out of town or it was asked to leave. Um, I think it's more, I mean, yes, the next year will be important, but someone, I forget who it was, wrote a great story about why it's more important that they replace the board and get fresh f- opinions and faces on the board, uh, especially with people who are tied, who have who Microsoft have invested in, for example, uh, like Facebook, like getting Zuckerberg on the board on the board of Microsoft might not be a bad idea. Getting the youngs on bo- on the board? Yeah, like, uh, Drew Houston, yeah. uh, CEO of Dropbox, is like, two, it's like young, two years younger than me or something. Um, what have you done with your life, Chen? Nothing much. Um, the the big thing that the other thing that was super interesting to me about this whole Bomber story is the way that they do performance. It explains so much about Microsoft, but the way they do performance evaluations or did for a long time. It's unclear if they're still doing this, but it's a system that they call stack ranking. Um, and I think some other companies use it as well. Uh, Cisco came up in a conversation I maybe shouldn't talk about in the podcast. But um, the idea is that if you are in a team of people the average everybody there, there's a good raise there was an episode of news radio about this years ago but the idea is that it ha- your your rankings have to be average so if you have three people on a team and they're all really good you have two choices you can give the worst of the three people a below average ranking the middle one an average ranking and the good one an above average ranking or you can just give them all average rankings so what this does is it discourages people from going to teams that are full of smart people who are really hard workers and are very smart. And it also discourages you from going to – it encourages you to go someplace where, where you, there's a shitload of people and you're more likely to be better than, than the average. It seemed really damaging and bad. And also the whole thing is secret. So the way – like the theoretical end-of-year performance review is that you go in your, – your boss goes into a room with his boss and all the other people that, 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 that your boss reports to – that your boss's boss have as reports. And among all of those people, everything has to end up average regardless of the, of the performance of the individual subgroups and all sorts of weird shit like that. And also you're not supposed to tell anybody that this is happening. It seemed really, really – like the reputation of Microsoft is of one where every – Every division is at odds with every other division, and there's a lot of internal competition. Now they're one Microsoft. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. So what what does the timing of that whole reorg have to do? Is this Bomber's last big push before he has to, no, the has to step aside? No, is, is Nokia. Or is this, so th- is, th- this, is this the last straw that sent the board over the edge? Right, there are two things. No, I don't think it's the last straw. I think the one, the one Microsoft was a, the reorg was a good thing. You can't, they couldn't have done, he couldn't have done that without the board's knowledge, right? And yes, and the, the one Microsoft reorg plus the, now, no, now we know the, the Nokia, Nokia um, deal. They don't, they haven't bought Nokia. They've bought certain parts of Nokia, um, which has been going on, I think, for a year now. The talks for yeah um, started at World Mobile Congress, I think, in Barcelona. Barcelona last yeah. year. Uh, those things. There's two ways to think about it. One that Balmer wanted to do those things to push his devices and services strategy forward and give himself a, one last chance to bring Microsoft back, or that those things were not enough to 
push him out or to save him. And that that's his, his legacy is out of his hands now. You guys, have you seen the, the uh, Lumia? Yeah, the, the 1120? Uh, yeah. 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 It's supposed to be amazing. It's supposed to be a nice It's really hardware. big. It's got it's a Carl Zeiss big. lens. It's supposed to be, take better photos than an iPhone. Yeah, I does. absolutely believe that yeah. because of uh, the big sensor in there, that 41 megapixel tr- pure view. Yeah. But uh, having used the, the first Lumia, like the, the nine, 920s or the, the 800s, mm-hmm. the ones that were like that matte, I want that size. Yeah. Um, the new ones, little pl- slick plastic and kind of a little too big. The problem that they're facing is that it doesn't matter how good the camera is if the rest of the phone is kind of eh. Is the rest of the phone kind of eh? It's okay. It's not bad. Hmm. If you use like Google services and stuff like that, there's some weirdness and, and the app situation is is real weird. Like hmm. They have a lot of the popular, of the more popular stuff, but then there's big weird holes and like the games are kind of it's like it's just so you don't see this it's like going to you know how you go to canada and everybody speaks the same language but everything feels a little off yeah it's like that so you don't see this acquisition as a touchdown well let's talk about the acquisition yeah that's the next topic on what, the what microsoft has has bought uh microsoft announced on labor day late labor day hmm. uh that they would spend 7.1 billion dollars to acquire nokia's handset division yeah offshore money so they were able to save quite a bundle that's what I understand. No taxes, right? That would be a hell of a, a lot, sales lot tax. Of cash, uh, influx of cash, help help prop up Nokia, which will still operate as a company um, and they, will still own its patents, and they, they will sell low end like, candy bar phones in other parts of the world. Did they did they buy the manufacturing stuff too, they or did they just the buy stuff, all the smartphone manufacturing? So stuff. so okay, so Nokia Finnish Nokia owns feature phones. A whole bunch of patents, including some Qualcomm stuff and some other things, and manufacturing. Smartphone manufacturing. Lumia yeah. manufacturing. Lumia, the, the new Finnish plant that they talked about last year. And Microsoft has that now. Microsoft has rights to uh, Nokia's patent portfolio for 10 years, access to all their maps services and code for that without explicitly owning that stuff. Nokia will run its map services company, which they launched last year. Uh, what was it called? Like Here or something? Here Now or Here Go or um, something like that. And that they're going to license that out to other companies. So others, that could uh, conceivably show up on Android and yes. maybe iOS, but probably Android. Um, and they'll still have their patents, so they can still sue and t- take in royalties. Uh, but it seems like uh, the question is, well, so Microsoft why did Microsoft need to buy Nokia if Nokia was on, basically already only making Windows phones? So, well, because Nokia's success in the Windows phone market, while they own, what, 75 or 80% of, 85% Windows, of Windows phone market phone. share, that's still only under 4% of So what, what, what changes when Microsoft share. is now? What about the argument that they can now do what Apple does and have synergy between they can't. the hardware and the software? Well, well, we'll get to that in a second. But just because Microsoft now controls that and there's a lot of overlap, and the, the point is that they get rid of some of the overlapping stuff. So Microsoft engineers and Nokia engineers are now... Same engineers, and they're not doing things differently, and then collaborating. So one person is handing software to a different company overseas. It's this one one company. Um, well, it also means that that things like the like Nokia did a great maps that here go map stuff is really good, and if Microsoft can provide that to whatever third party Windows Phone providers remain, that'll be good. I, I so think that, is that worth seven billion dollars? If I don't know what's seven billion dollars is an amount of money that I can't comprehend. Uh, the question you have, Jeremy, is that is it a, as some people have said, an Apple-like strategy and to some extent Google-like strategy, less like Google, of acquiring your own um, mobile uh, hardware company yeah. while you also develop an OS? Apple is very, very special case. 
because they have always been that company. They made did they make the mistake of licensing Mac OS out to people who make build their own power PC. Power PCs. Yeah. Stop that. But they cemented their hardware platform top to bottom strategy when they were still the underdog and they yep. were providing ground up. Yeah, gr- build, yep. building the business out of that. And they're still You're saying you can't do it this you, late. You can't do it well, especially not on the Windows side. Uh, maybe on the Windows Phone side because num- there's no market. There's no market. You can yeah. own that. You can you can make a better experience for your small. And there are a lot of Windows Phone fans right. out there. But but that would require starting over with either the hardware or the software. Well, no, they're. I think they're flexible enough that they they can converge. Yeah, um, but they're not doing that either because they're still licensing Windows Phone out. To I, dude, who is realistically going to buy it, license? I mean, HTC will release one device a year. Doesn't matter if they don't. The OEMs don't buy it, but the fact that they have to still develop Windows Phone platform so that it will work on any—that's not. A, that's not. It's not. It's a non-issue because they'll say, "Look, they'll do the same thing they did with the first version of Windows Phone. They'll say, here is the platform for Windows Phone. It's this CPU, this screen resolution, Which this they blah blah blah, this blah, blah, blah for Windows Phone. 8. I know, and then they'll tighten it back in for whatever Nokia, whatever so they do with the Nokia the only devices. way they can have that is if they tighten it to a point where you're only making where Windows. The, the fact that you have development resources, software resources to accommodate OEMs that aren't even going to put good hardware on your on your software, it's not going to be a problem in two years. Then they should just cut it off and only let. If they Nokia. did that, people would have flipped out, and investors would have been pissed. It's no, I, I think the investors would have been totally happy because then they would believe in that the Apple, I, the Apple one company top down control. The important thing to remember is that partners on phone are also partners on PC. Samsung is so, a large partner on PC. HTC not so much. Uh, like they that. what Microsoft can't do is do for Windows Phone what they did for Surf, Windows Eight with the Surface. You they mean can't, fuck it up? Well, no, they can't specifically. They can't say that this is the the model we're going to build because we control hardware and software now. Our Lumia phones, whatever they call them, they won't be called Nokia phones. They'll be called Microsoft Surface phones or whatever. Uh, they can't say this is the, the the model that we want OEMs and partners to inspire them and to push them Why forward, not? to push the platform forward. Because it didn't work with the Surface. Well, that, that's because they fucked up the Surface. Because if they make was, a nice phone, then that's a whole different thing. No, nah, I think the Surface hardware was, right, was nice. It was the no. Windows 8 that was bad. It was too big. They launched a 10-inch huge tablet when the whole industry was moving towards 7-inch tablets. I, I, and I think they'll do a 7-inch tablet also. I think that's a great surface. idea. So you guys are kind of suggesting the best of... Google, Google, and Apple. Where well, Google's completely different because Motorola is so separate. Motor, Motorola doesn't count. Zero, zero preference. So the Nexus is the is the example, not the Motorola stuff. Yeah, Nexus is what Microsoft wanted to do with the Surface. You're, but I'm saying they have complete control over that. the hardware and they license out designs. They don't have Google doesn't have complete control over the hardware. They own it. No, on no, paper. But, but they, that, I'm saying they license out the the OS. But they license out completely. Yeah, right. like, Apple and Google. Are Opposite, complete opposite ends of the spectrum right. mm. in the same way that on the PC desktop side it's Windows. So I'm saying Microsoft crosses both of those circles. Yes, and because they're in the middle, they lose because they can't commit one way or the other. Ah. Well, I think it's safe. I think betting Microsoft is going to lose is probably safe at this point. <laughs> they, they lose faster. It's, it's really? Not, they, they, they're, they're, like, they're not gonna, it's not going to save them. Wow. Um, I, I, here's the thing. It's still, even though everything feels really congealed, for lack of a better term, in phones and tablets, it's nothing is certain. Every two years, every every single person, every two to f- say four years, everybody who has a phone makes a purchasing decision 
and things can change dramatically as evidenced by an HTC One sitting on your desk, Norm. Yeah, um, Android's great. Right. Every every two years, there's an opportunity to capture new people. What Microsoft and anybody else who wants to increase market share in phones and tablets has to, or phones especially has to do is figure out what can we do. What do people want enough to overcome inertia when that two-year window is up? And to date, they, they have shown something that is very comparable but kind of less good for reasons that are mostly outside their control, app ecosystem and stuff like that, than the competition. What they need to do is, is do what they're doing with the, with the new Lumia phone and say, hey, we can actually put a really fucking awesome camera on this device. If they can get the other stuff as good as the competition and do one or two things that are better – then, then it gives them an opportunity. I think one of three things can't be in the hardware. I think hardware is very important, but the uh, software is... Software is key. Software is what makes, what makes or breaks experience. Yeah. On the Apple side, uh, it is, it's, again, a very unique scenario where the hardware is tied to the software, and the software is great because they have the control of the hardware. That's why your iPhone 5 is a dual-core phone. That's, that's how you get the battery life. It's how you get the size down. It's how they make more profits on it. Right, because they can get that performance out of a dual core phone because they control that stack. Um, on the Android side, it's all still software. Yes, the OEMs will you, tart it up with with their fancy hardware bits with whatever megapixel camera and 1080p screens. Do you use the Beats a lot, Norm? Uh, you know what? The audio actually sounds really good. Okay. Um, uh, what what is appealing about Google and the reason I switch is because tied to software services because I used Google everywhere else in my life. And because this is tied so well to Google services, it's better experience than the iPhone or okay. Gmail Drive and all the and Google Search and Google Now. I mean, you know what? I think it's going to improve with iOS seven. Just as an aside, because they will that you can now have uh, downloads connected to push events. So, for instance, with the um, Gmail app right now, I can get a push event that I have a new email. But if I launch it, the email hasn't downloaded yet. It has to come in. It's, yeah. it's a pain in the butt. Same thing for TweetDeck. They're changing that. So I think this can get it better. Um, for me, it's every single time that the G- Google Maps or Google Search app logs me out for no apparent reason, and I have to two-factor back into that, I'm a little closer to switching to Android. Um, but on the Microsoft side, if you follow that line of thinking, it is going to be the, the Microsoft platform as a whole. If Windows 8 was great and people love Windows 8, that would make getting a Windows phone that much easier and that much more appealing because you can tie in all the services. Because Google services are great because I cannot live without them, that made switching to Android that much easier and make, made me much more like, open to using their notification system yeah. and all the stuff that's unique to that platform. Because I use a MacBook and there's a lot of tie-in with PhotoStream and stuff like that, that's why I used the iPad before and the iOS I, before. The Apple's divorce from Google is the thing that's frustrated me most about the OS. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and Microsoft stands alone and they, they do tiny Google services like every other platform does, but there are other stuff. Well, they I mean, don't. SkyDrive. There's calendar problems right. and stuff like that. SkyDrive and their other Microsoft services are not compelling enough right now, and Windows 8 is experience, and the Metro apps are not compelling enough right now. That was, it was a really solid plan. Well, if they'd launched it two years earlier, it would have been great. And it just didn't fall through. It what did. was it? Somebody, it didn't pan out. Matt Buchanan on Twitter said, from, who's from the New Yorker tech channel or something, said, when when the director of Microsoft of Microsoft's PR said, vice president of, of PR said, "Hey, what should we be? What should if you're so smart, what should we, we should be? Should, ah, if you're so smart, what should we be doing?" And he said exactly what you're doing now, but just five years ago, and that's exactly it. They're they're like when they were embracing phones, they should have been just skipping phones and going straight to tablets because if they had made a good tablet to compete with the iPad two, 
then they then that could have driven people into the ecosystem from another way. There's just no yeah. compelling reason to start right now. Uh, Microsoft has never been that forward thinking. They've always relied on the time, the luxury of the time to iterate in order well, to make their products good. Well, and the fact that they had a massive Windows monopoly to, to, to even, leverage. But, yes, but even Windows took years before it became something that people actually enjoyed. I mean, you know, That's when, true. you don't even remember Windows One. You know, and, and or Windows ninety five was a turning point. Right. Really, Windows ninety eight. If you want to really get honest, but it about took it. a long time, and even with each release, even with Windows eight, now you had to wait till eight point one before people actually really appreciated it. Well, and it seems like they they need that time to iterate, and there's just not that kind of time in the mobile space. But but more than that, like when I when we were talking to Microsoft in the lead up to Windows eight, it seemed like their strategy was hey, everybody's got to upgrade to this anyway because it's Windows, and that's going to just push a bunch of people into our app store, so there will automatically be a market for that without even... Con- and it didn't work because nobody wanted to use Metro apps on, on PCs that are connected to monitors and desktops. So why do you think that Microsoft might be looking to buy a PC manufacturer? So here's the thing. If, if the Nokia purchase works well and they grow market share and things start to improve and they see... And how, they, how, like, how, how would... I know what strategy. What do you mean? Under, under what ideal strategy? I'm saying if purchasing Nokia as a way to expand the devices and services strategy, which is what the what what so like, purchasing Nokia what, is. What, what what success model are you talking about? Like, well, I think success for Microsoft with regards to Nokia is increasing. Right now, market share for Windows phones is three point seven five percent. So just regardless of whether it's if only they can get only percent of market or whether they redo a licensing if, model, like if Windows Phone market share improves compared to Android and iOS. That's such. I mean, that that's that's a goal. Yes, yes, that would be great. But under, I mean, if you're going to say buy a hardware company as a model, what is the implementation that you're? Saying? I don't have any idea. I'm not a Microsoft executive, and I didn't spend seven billion dollars. So your to logic buy is, if you buy a hardware company and but good te- things happen, then you want to buy hardware. What company. I'm telling, what I'm saying is, the way I have seen Microsoft work over the last twenty years is that if they try something and it works, then they apply that to other aspects of their business that fairly is, consistently. That is a terrible... I, I don't, the Xbox was internal, and that's their biggest success ever. Not really. It's 10%. I mean, yes, it is their biggest consumer success besides Windows and Office, but it's 10% of their revenue or less. I don't think, I, I don't think that that model applies. And You don't think... No, I don't think the model of if you do something for a different part of your company that works... You're going to do same the same exact thing for a different part of the company. They clearly they clearly look at um, the surface is clearly a hey if the ecosystem's not going to do what we want then we're just going to do it ourselves. That is a that is a clear thought that happened at some point inside Microsoft because they were looking at what the OEMs were coming up with and none so, of it satisfied. So, okay, let's we'll use Surface as the model. Okay, and it seems like if they were ever to look at buying another hardware company, it would be to expand the Surface model to something at scale. Where it would be a significant portion of right. So if their plan is to build tablets running desktop Windows, real Windows, not regardless of tablets, ARM Windows tablet. or whatever. Well, no, no. But I mean, if you're looking at where their hole is right now, they have PC sales. They're good there, although that's declining. They they have a strategy for phones. The tablet strategy seems a little bit soft from where I'm sitting. Like that Nokia does tablets. Nokia has done tablets in the past. Nokia will do the Surface tablets. But they're Windows phone tablets. They're ARM-based. And I don't think people are going to be spending a lot of money on Windows ARM stuff. Phone tablets. They're, I, I they're, think, sorry, they're Windows RT tablets, not Windows phone tablets, is my understanding. I haven't seen a Nokia tablet. I have no idea. But I, from all indication, Nokia is going to play that role because 
to, for building those tablets. So, so the thing about the thing, the question is really, are they buying Nokia because they want to control hardware manufacturing and be able to build really slick, really exciting devices that are going to get people on board? Because theoretically, there was some deficiency on that before. Or are they just buying a phone company so that somebody keeps making Windows phones? I think it's more the latter right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was my hope is that they think that they can do something better than what Nokia was doing by themselves. I don't think there's um, any chance Microsoft's going to buy a Dell or an HP or a Lenovo. They can't afford it. Dell's pretty cheap. They can't afford Lenovo. Asus is out of their price range. HP's available. There's no point. It brings nothing to the table. I think that that's five years off at Bring, minimum. Brings, those, are, those are not a tablet known for ta- They don't have... Well, the other thing is, if, if the PC market continues to erode, then they're going to have to make some sort of move to staunch that. And if that means that they make they buy somebody who can make devices that are like Lenovo that are nice hybrids of PCs and tablets, things like the yoga, then, then that becomes a thing that they're, it's worth spending money on or buying into or partnerships or whatever. I think just like the early Nokia deal, it's better to enter a partnership where someone where you pay $0 to get good, good hardware. Do you think they, well, they didn't pay $0 for the Nokia deal for the, the deal for Nokia to, to just do Windows Phone? Yeah. That was zero dollars. Co-marketing and all that stuff. Money uh, money transferred. Um, do you think Elop was a sleeper sell? Did they Manchurian candidate Nokia? Because he came in, the stock price was what, like three, four times what it is at the time they announced the purchase? I think if you look at the history of what Elop does, I think it was more motivated. It was, if anything, he wanted to do it, not Microsoft. And they... So, he, Jeremy, Stephen Elop was the CEO of Nokia. Look, there's other people in the world who don't know who Elop is. <laughs> he was, he was I a, bet two of them listen to your podcast. Um, Stephen Elop, before uh, he was CEO of Nokia, he was at Microsoft for three years running their business division, and he was including a Office. Boston Market or something before, before that, right? Before he was at Microsoft, uh, he was running, uh, he was the president of Adobe. Adobe Systems, not CEO, just the president. And yeah. he was president of Adobe because he was the CEO of Macromedia, and he sold Macromedia to Adobe. Thanks, Flash. And then before that, I think he was at like Juniper Networks or maybe around there. And then, yes, at some point in his life, he also ran Boston Market. Or was it Marie Callender's? No, it was Boston, Boston Market. Boston Market? Okay. It was Boston Market. Um, so would he make a good Microsoft So it, what it looks well, like from his history is that he moves from place to place, and he has a history of also uh, selling out, moving up. Generating shareholder revenue and then moving up at an appropriate time. Because if you look at when when – Macromedia sold to Adobe. They got out at the like that was the peak of value for Macromedia as a company. Yeah, good timing. Because yeah, Flash wasn't going to get more valuable, and and uh, uh, WYSIWYG HTML editors are not super popular these days in in most professional circles. So like everybody came out as soon as the Nokia thing was announced. It was like, oh, Elop's got to be the leading contender for the Balmer seat. And I, I just, I mean, he doesn't have a real great like. He, he has a great record for him. Doesn't seem. I mean, I guess he made a lot of money for Microsoft at the, in the businesses division. I That's think he the is one definitely place a contender, that he has a, a very, very strong contender, uh, given his familiarity with both Microsoft culture and the business operations in terms of office stuff, the money making stuff, and also experience in uh, in getting product launches out on the hardware side at Nokia. Yeah, I mean, say what you will, and and say what you will about Adobe. At least they're reliable on software releases. I mean, they update something every year hell or high water um i don't know i think we've talked about nokia and microsoft enough 
Uh, I had one last, last, I was looking at an ad for the Lumia phones at the same time I was reading a rumor story about colored iPhone, cheap iPhones. And it made me wonder if, if inexpensive iPhones with colors and plastic backs is a, is a direct hit, direct swipe at Nokia and the, and the bright colored phones. No, it is. And historically Apple has always done the multicolor thing. Well, since 2000. In the, in mobile, in iOS and, and iPod. So apps, not a knock. They will take away, they will compete for the same customers, but it's not like they're doing it just to spite Microsoft. Uh, speaking of which, Apple, uh, Apple has an event next week, September 10th. Yeah. Tuesday. We'll we weren't invited again. I don't know what's up with that. Really? It's uh, hard to believe. The question is whether it will be live streamed. Probably uh, not. Yeah, well, they just did the last one that yep. way. It's been years that since was they did. WWDC. And WWDC is for developers, and they can't get people, they, they sell out in 35 seconds or whatever. Yeah. So typically, WWDC is always streamed. But they didn't have to. They get things get. I mean, that, oh, no. that was their choice. That's you know, true. They just did it because they we'll wanted to. We'll find out likely the day before or the morning of yeah. whether it will be streamed. Uh, we'll expect the iPhone f- next uh, f- follow up. Uh, we'll expect uh, cheaper iPhones, plastic back iPhones, and uh, the new rumor this week is that we'll expect a new Apple TV. That wouldn't surprise me at all, given the update. I mean, the further down the list, there's there have been. Two big Apple TV updates earlier this year. One that added ESPN, an app for ESPN. The HBO Go update came out this year. They just added Disney Channel Weather and I think Smithsonian or something weird, and maybe maybe something from the U- some channel from the UK that I'd never heard of before. And increasingly, the fall holiday season is the time for people to gift and buy set top boxes. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a fifty to ninety nine dollars set top box is a lovely gift for the person that you don't know what to give them for Christmas. Yeah. I, I don't know what they could add to the Apple TV at this point that wouldn't be a lot more important, you know, like if, unless they start adding storage and an app store, then I don't know what they're going to add. It's already 1080p. It's plenty fast. It's quiet. It's small. I think an app store is probably the the obvious ad. Well, that's a huge deal then. Yeah. Well, it could I mean, be. They, I don't think they'll do that at this event. This is an iPhone event. That That's too big a deal to release. You think they'll, yeah, they're doing a separate... Uh Right, doing a separate iPad event. The rumor yeah. is that there's a separate yeah. iPad event. And I think that's because they don't know whether they can get the yields on Retina iPad Mini I think, uh, for this Christmas. I think this yeah. might be Maverick. Well, we'll definitely see iOS 7 released on September 10th, it seems yeah. like. Um, maybe Mavericks as well. And that might be delay further back on uh, tablet development. They may not release phone. iOS 7 beyond yeah. developers. They might wait till the phone's out. The dev version weeks, of right. iOS 7 is pretty... The, right. they, they haven't updated it's in not, two weeks it's now. It's not the gold release, though. It's it's not the gold release, but it's it is it's solid. It is very usable. Yep. At this point, um, it doesn't surprise you. I mean, I know we're getting leaks every single cycle now with Apple more than we used to, but it seems like this cycle has been more than ever. They have to make so many of them, so many of those devices now, in order to fulfill the early demand. Well, you're talking there's, specifically there's, about just how many of the candy coated. Shells have come out. Yep. Yeah. The cases, like people are holding up the new iPad uh, mini next to the new iPad, and it's just like they're doing this with impunity. It's just like people on YouTube, look what I got. And well, there's nobody. Steve's amazing. not there to threaten to kill people anymore. <laughs> I'm going to come to your house with the police you know, and kick the door in. Yeah, but, you know, it just seems surprising that there's not more you know, double it's, downing. Are you secrecy. Apple fan 248 on Mac rumors? Kick you in the balls. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Lee over at ours wrote a was it Lee? No, that wrote the thing about Google Play as the platform for Android. Now, uh, somebody at ours, Technica, wrote a great piece earlier this week about maybe it was last week even about Google Play being the new platform for Android. 
uh, in meaning that the point releases for Android updates matter not a whit anymore because they're just adding low-level hardware support and things like Bluetooth low-energy profiles and stuff like this. Is a chopper overhead or something, I think. Um, Bluetooth low-energy, like support for new kinds of hardware and new low-level protocols and stuff like that. And then all of the actual interesting stuff that people care about, including updates to things like the mail app and the calendars and the the basic stuff that you use every single day on the phone are rolling out not annually anymore, not with the main release. They're rolling out just as updates to the Play Store. Um, this is something we noticed a while ago. We talked about on the podcast when they started updating YouTube and, and things like that separately from the main OS. And like I think that this is increasingly going to – it, it there's, does two things. One is that you can get those updates on pretty much all versions of Android that are currently in use. So things like ginger from gingerbread to, to jelly bean, there are – Play Store updates for almost all of those apps come out day and date. As well as iOS soon. As soon yeah, after. iOS as soon as it clears the App Store authentication process. Um, the other thing is that you have individual teams. It seems like the teams that are responsible for YouTube are doing the YouTube app and the teams that are responsible for Gmail are doing the Gmail app because when they do things like roll out new features in YouTube or Gmail, those apps are updated almost immediately on, on all versions of Android and on iOS shortly thereafter, which has been a big improvement. Uh, I think that this is going to prove to be if Apple continues releasing updates for its core apps, the apps that ship with iOS like Mail and Calendar and 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 all of that stuff, only with the annual updates, which is what they've been doing for the last seven versions of the OS, like that, it becomes a huge advantage for Google going forward. It 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 kind of does some some Sun Tzu turning our weakness into our strength business. Which I, I think is really interesting. Like, yeah, it was that, a really good piece. Yeah, I mean that that's sort of, that's inherent to the to the two different methods, right? I mean, the, Apple's always been on the linear, the um, annual cycle. Yeah, any kind of updates you want to get from Apple, you got to wait a year, especially for the major ones, easily the hardware ones. And with Android, it had previously been you have to wait forever in some cases. Sometimes they, they just don't come to older hardware, and now they've taken taken yeah. added another platform above their platform. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, but you hope from Apple then that they can actually make bigger leaps because they have longer to work on them. And, well, they have to. And they know that it has to last a year. It also means, though, that they, they are probably less likely to take chances with stuff that may or may not be popular because while it's Google true. can adjust more quickly, they're stuck for, say, 12 months or maybe three at minimum if something goes really badly for them. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. I mean, they, they do release... It uh, updates to their other apps, and you know the App Store app. Or I'm sorry, not the App Store app. The, the Apple, Apple Store, Store app, app yeah. or iBooks or any of the creative apps. They release updates to those. Doesn't iBooks come on the so phone often. now? It's part of the OS now. Uh, I that, think that may be a bad example, but you yeah. know, GarageBand and yeah. iPhoto, all that stuff. It's you know you get point updates to that. It's weird. Um, this was Smartwatch Week for no reason that I could tell, but everybody rolled out smart uh, Samsung, Sony and Qualcomm all demoed smartwatches. My IFA, that's why. Oh, IFA? What's IFA? IFA. What's the IFA? I don't know exactly what it stands for, but it's the CES of Europe. Really? There's a CES in Europe. Interesting. Well, it's not the same organization, but it's okay. the equivalent it's consumer electronics. It's at a time of year that makes sense for consumer electronics. Um did you? Does anybody care about? Did you buy a Pebble, Jeremy? You know, I have a friend who has a Pebble and uh-huh. he swears by it. So after the smartwatch frenzy the other day, I asked on Twitter, and and so um, Samsung's only works with Samsung, uh, Samsung Samsung phones, right? Samsung Android phones, is my understanding. If you have the Google Play edition of Samsung's S4, it's not going to work. 
So you need touch wiz or whatever. Um, I don't know about the Qualcomm one and the Sony was basically just a teaser. Hey, we have a smartwatch coming. That's going to be water resistant. Um, I asked on Twitter how many people who bought Pebbles are still using them because it's been long enough now that yeah, like, what they say overwhelmingly there were a a um, of probably forty or fifty replies. There were a handful, maybe it was thirty replies. There were a handful that were like, "I it's just in my drawer now because I got tired of charging it or it wasn't really that useful for me or whatever." Um, there were a lot of people that seemed to use it the same way I use Google Glass. That's exactly my point. Next, yeah. I wonder how many people. Percentage-wise, who bought into Pebble or smartwatch, how, how, what percentage of those people have r- rarely used them now the same way that the people who bought Google Glass also rarely use them now? Because in this room, zero for zero. Come on. Zero now. for two. What's, what's, As a matter of convenience, the one is a lot more inconspicuous than the other. It's not about inconspicuous. Yeah, no, it's about inconspicuous for the glasses. I think, I think it's, those watches call a lot of attention also, especially if you're like, really? checking email. There are a lot of dudes wearing those watches at PAX. Just a lot. I saw a lot of people wearing these Google glasses. There's, there are types of people everywhere. There are two people wearing Google glasses. Certain types of people everywhere. Um, so the thing, it's because it's fifteen hundred bucks. The thing that I found. But you're saying most people aren't using them anymore. Is no, right? no, most people are. Most people are. Um, but because it's a watch, it's 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 less conspicuous. Right. So people were using the the watch. A lot of people said, "Hey, it's really useful when I'm busy." So um, one of the people who helps run PAX was like, "Yeah, it's been incredibly useful during PAX because I don't miss notifications." And I don't miss where I need – it tells me exactly where I need to be when. Yeah. But it's much less useful on like a normal day-to-day basis because, you know, how many meetings do you have on a normal day? How many places do you need to be there out of that ordinary? Is that 300 bucks? Like you can't look at your phone? Well, wait a minute. That, we're talking about the Pebble. And that was not 300 bucks. Pebble was two, okay. $100, $100 sure, on sure. the Kickstarter. And it's e-paper. You only charge it every yeah. three days. Yeah. It seems like it has some advantages. Yeah. I, and it's – like you said, it's unobtrusive. The thing that – the thing – after instigating the conversation with people, a lot of people said, look, I wish it was like fuel band sized. So it was just like a right. little bracelet yeah, it's that had right. a screen on it. I think they're going to get bigger, not smaller. No. Well, that's what it seems. The trend seems to be like Samsung packed a camera in theirs. Yeah. I know. And a microphone, right? Yeah, it's microphone. bananas. Yeah, and a speaker. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dick Hello? Crazy. Hello? Are you there? Banana phone. Shoot I think phone. they're bigger. I think that they're going to release. I mean, there'll be a different. You'll have like, like smartphones and dumb phones. You'll have the dumb watches. Yeah. And they'll be the smart watches, the dumb electronic watches. I don't know, man. It's, it's just a matter of time. They might have to be bigger right now, but they're going to get a shrink. Well, so the, they'll, they'll be bigger because people want to do things like, oh, look at the iPod Nano. You want to watch video, look at pictures. And if they don't put those things on there, then they're not competitive in their minds of the businesses. Like It's, it's like the exact reason why they had the, the, the camera. Unnecessary, but if they don't put it on there, someone yeah. else is going to put it on there, and they're going to feel like they're left yeah, yeah. out. Well, that's the story of Android. The specs. Yes. And then they're going to want bigger screens, and they're going to need bigger batteries, and eventually you're going to have a Pip-Boy. Or, or Leela's, <laughs> Leela's console. Yeah, it's going to be a full wrist thing. Oh, and then you're going to have a, a like 500 milliamp battery, milliamp hour battery on your wrist ready to catch fire and tear your arm off. And then you'll have to get like At anti-chafing like, like leg warmers for your, for your forearm so that it doesn't rub. You guys are awful pessimistic about this. I, I, I think mean, that smartwatches are not rad at all. I would rather they go the dumb, dumb phone route and yeah. be long battery life, and uh, but still have the functionality to like. If it just tells me that I have emails, that's I'm still going to pull out my phone. It's not like oh, I didn't feel the the vibration in my pocket that I have the email. It's just a it's a it's a very first world problem that you now don't have to pull out and you know I, I have the plus first world problem where if my smartwatch doesn't let me delete like the spam i have yep and it just lets me know it's spam 
and I'm not deleting it. It's on my phone. I need to pull up my well, phone. What has a microphone? It. So you just say delete spam, delete spam, delete spam. Like just know that spam. I don't need to respond to that email is not enough. It's if it's solving, a worthless email, inbox zero. It's solving a small problem, but I think it's one people are going to want to solve. I, I <laughs> it's again, it's it's like the Google Glass, right? If the price comes down to the point that it's that it's not expensive, then people will buy it to use for those times. The thing that's weird about this versus the glass is that glass is great because you also always have the camera there. And sometimes you want to take a picture. And the camera being at your eyes is a logical thing it's, as opposed to it being – Then the Samsung one has a camera, right? It's got 10-second yeah, 10, 10 720p videos. It's, it's almost exactly the same as the glass. Except you're yeah. pew-pewing right. like that. Spider-Man. Just <laughs> yeah, flip around. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the camera on the on the on the. Seems like seems like hey, new shimmers a floor wax, new shimmers a dessert topping. It's a little too close to that for me. Um, and also, I think the, the the watch looks does not look look aesthetically appealing. Yeah, I think that and that is the part. It's uh, somebody on Twitter said it reminds me of and then sent me a picture of like the old Casio calculator watches from the early eighties. Yeah, had them all. And it's like they're cool now because they're retro. I they were cool then, if you ask me. But you're did you did you case. do math on them? <laughs> yeah, because I wanted one and I never did any math. I never on got one. one. Yeah. I had one. It was the best thing ever, and then I never did any. I never use it at all. Game watches were cool. You know why? Because I could do the math in my head. Yeah. Well, you're Asian. Well, oh wow, that's, that's racist. I was, I was. I let him. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I just think they have to look cool, and I don't like like. And that means curved OLED screens because you wear it on your body. There. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a, so it is a curve, piece of jewelry. Yeah, Curves exactly. watches are jewelry. That's why the the, the, bra- the bracelet model is much better than the watch model. Apple's going to have an advantage there when they make theirs. They got that aesthetic. I don't think Apple's going to make. Well, that would be the one more thing if they're going to if they're going to roll out a smartwatch. It's not going to be one more thing. That's one more gonna, thing. No, that's going to be an invite. One more that's what thing. It's going to be all about. Um, I miss one more thing. I miss one more thing too. One more, the best three they words had, in the English they language. They had one more thing last. They've had one more things in the past two since years. Since Jobs, they haven't said one more thing since Jobs died. They've had. They've done things after that were surprises, yeah. kind of, but not really. And it was never anything huge. Retina, Retina MacBooks, yeah. the uh, the the uh, new Mac uh, Mac Pro. Yeah, Both was, of those. Those were one, one more, more things. things. But they were. I'm talking about. They were surprises. The end of the show. Yeah. One more thing. Oh, by the way, that happened twice. Yeah, it's fucking awesome each time. You're so angry. It happened one, and the first one that happened, which was great, was the um, was the uh, iPod with video. The one more thing was video. Right. Uh, that which, one was kind of bad, actually. And and that was after he said people don't want to watch videos on their on their, yeah. on their iPods. And what was the second? And one it turns more out thing? he was right. <laughs> uh, the second one more thing was remember it wasn't the iPhone. I, I'm guessing there was more than two. Anyway, name name two. I can't, man. I'm tired. <laughs> tired and ignorant. I've already explained. Why this. are you tired, Jeremy? You've been taking Ambien again? No, I just have you know trouble sleeping. You I can't get in these coding binges, and I just oh. can't stop thinking. But you're you're not a developer, <laughs> as you just like to say. Um, the one more things. Oh wow, there's a lot of them. Twenty two inch Apple Cinema Display, Airport, iMac. Boy, these aren't as good as I remember them being. See, uh, OS ten. <laughs> Uh, Power Mac G4 Cube. It's like the bag you get when you leave a party. It's not supposed to be the main event. It's just a consolation thing. It's like, it's bonus. Aluminum PowerBook G4. You just throw them in the glove compartment of your car. The point is there's more than two. The iPod Mini, the iPod Shuffle, the iPod Video, the MacBook Pro. iPod Mini, yes. Um, The Unibody MacBook. Yes. Unibody MacBook was a a separate event. Yeah, I was at that event. Hold on. I think what that... 
Okay, there was when they released the new unibody MacBook Pro, the aluminum one, for one year they released a standard MacBook in the same configuration with the backlit keys. Yeah. I think that might have been a one more thing. Oh. Yeah, what that's terrible one more thing. Um FaceTime it. video calling. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. You're such a victim. Um FaceTime was a one more thing. FaceTime the second was one more gen thing. Apple TV was a one more thing in twenty ten, the Apple Music event. And um See, not not memorable. FaceTime? Wow. FaceTime was one more thing. iTunes match. It was, it was, everyone knew about it. Yeah. So it wasn't a surprise. Yeah. No surprise. Like, oh, those 10 minutes left. Guess what? It's time for the one more one thing. One more thing. And the demo didn't work. His Star Trek demo. When I was a kid. He, they asked everybody to turn off Wi Fi. Yeah, turn off Wi Fi for oh, the Oh, I remember work. that. Yeah. And Johnny Ive, he tried to do FaceTime with Johnny Ive. Like, this is like the future. And then, nope, cut off. Oh, well. Um,. So what the big news last week was the was out of Gamescom uh, the I guess it was out of Gamescom maybe it was a Nintendo Direct actually when I think about it was the 2DS Nintendo announced the 2DS and a Wii U price drop Wii U price drop makes sense it's it's two ninety nine instead of three fifty for the black bundle with the dock and all that stuff. However, the 2DS is bananas. The 2DS is a Nintendo 3DS without the 3D screen that nobody uses. Like I I. One of the things I did at PAX this weekend was walk around and look at people using 3DSs, and I saw one person with 3D on. When I asked him about it, he was like, oh, I, my finger must hit the switch, and I just didn't notice. Nobody uses 3DS on 3D on 3DSs. Um, but the 2DS is a $130 3DS. It's only 2D. Um, it plays DS games. And how much is a 3DS? $169 for the 3DS, the old one, and $200 for the, for the big one. Um. So it's a, it's a pretty significant discount, but it doesn't have a hinge. Yes. So it's flat it's out there. But it's not flush. What do you mean? Is it completely fl- flat flush? There's no the front? It's kind of angles. It's the angled. Upright. No, no, there's, no, there's a wedge. It's wedge shaped. Yeah. yeah, so it's so not, the it's front not flush. is flat. But the back is, you can't lay it on a table and be flat. Well, you like, couldn't lay it on a slate with two screens. It's, you'd, if you laid it on a table, it, it's it would not tilt like, up a little bit. It's not bit. like that. Um, it's more like that. No, that's not right. It's more, it's, it's, is. I could draw it for you, but I have a piece of paper. It's a, like a triangle. So this, if you're looking at it from the side, it looks like a triangle. So it's wedged. So it's a wedge shape, and the wedge oh, goes okay. up in the back. So the so the bottom, the part toward your hand. Of course, you don't like it. You don't like anything. The part towards your hand is thin, and the other part is fat, as I understand it. Are the screens the same size? As the screens small? are the same size as a small one, I believe. Yeah. So the only advantage here is they're not as they're definitely not as big as the big one. So you get you save thirty bucks. Off of the cheap one. And you, but you can't fold it up. It's basically indestructible and no 3D. If you're not using 3D anyway, you've already said most people aren't. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a concession. I, the, the, so it's time to come out at the same time as the new Pokemon games, which the, the general consensus among people who know games better than we do is that this is designed to be a cheap way to get your kid into Pokemon when he wants it with a thing that is basically indestructible because I assume that they looked at – like returns and defects and warranty repairs and like that hinge is probably the Nintendo does breaks. not understand social dynamics of, of playgrounds. You don't want to be the kid with the two DS. I don't think you give a shit, dude. I don't know, man. It's a new thing. Yeah, that one's newer. You think being newer is better than being better? Probably. Well, mine is three D and costs I'm more. Talking about kids. But 3D's, my parents. My parents who likes three D can afford the big one. Also, you're not supposed to put kids under six in front of three D. That's that's the only thing that occurred to me is I don't let Peter use the three D. Yeah. So when he actually discovered it because his grandmother was playing it in three D, he was he was amazed. He's yeah. Like, oh my god! It's, it's the future. Three, three dimensions, Dad. <laughs> but uh, so I was, and then, I, he, then his eyeballs exploded. So <laughs> then he was cross-eyed for the rest of the day. Right. But no, I could see this being uh, appealing to parents for that reason. 
Yeah, I, I feel like they are conceding that they shouldn't have done shouldn't have done a 3ds and they should have done a ds2 i think that's a i think that is a fair thing to concede if, if, if they did the ds2 as a big follow-up that more people was bought it and that's just confusing they've evolved since then well the 3d the problem- well ds is their best-selling thing ever and ds Lite even is still one of the best portables ever no i loved it right absolutely and getting all that buzz about 3d was initially great but didn't really translate to early sales they've kind of leveled out now the even though the you know the growth wasn't there initially, uh, but they had done a DS two and just focused on software. It's weird. It's weird. What, if we're talking about what they should do, they should get involved in the app stores. So, do you want to talk about that story? That that big. Well, we're, we're talking no. about Apple. I was just going to say the one thing that the other thing about the two DS that could have made it really awesome is if it had a bigger battery in it because it's a kind of bigger thing. Yeah, it and it seems like the battery life is going to be roughly well, which analogous was, to the small three DS, yeah. even without the three D screen, which is the battery killer. Right, like flipping on three D basically halves your battery. If they had done a two D DS two, as opposed to doing three DS and then two DS, yeah. which two DS is a clever name. I'll give them that. Do you don't think it's confusing though? No, there's DS DS Lite. There's 3DS. So this plays 2DS. I guess it plays DS games. It plays everything that has a DS in the title. If they did a DS2, like a, like a follow-up, that's terrible. Then everyone abandons their DS, buys a new DS2 because it can play backward compatibility yeah. and, and, and high resolution and, and fancier graphics, but still have a great. I think Nintendo overestimated, and it's easy to say in retrospect, but they overestimated the enthusiasm for 3D. They can afford this. It's an experiment. They can't afford it. They cannot afford it. Nintendo? No, they can't. Oh, they, they can afford it. They can afford at this point. I don't think they can afford it. They can afford. Yes, they, Nintendo they, still has a lot of money. Um, they have a Wii U that's kind of floundering, and then they have a 3DS, which is a pretty big success. But it's not. It's not a level. The same level of success as the three as the DS was. Like so, people are saying that kids are playing. Like even Japanese school yeah. kids are playing cell phone games now. Yeah. I want to talk about this. Uh, the John Gruber big write up about the problem with Nintendo. Nintendo in, in Russia. Oh no! And it was it, the boils down to where Nintendo is right now. Where has been whether it, that the hardware software uh, top down stack we were talking about control over both hardware and software um, works as a model. And I think you really can't compare consoles to. To uh, to game uh, to phones because all console makers control their software. They control the software that their hardware runs on. Yes, it, it's the games. Apple doesn't make games. It, it's, it's not like let's doing something funky right now. Um, anyway, I don't know what happened there. The prescription was, and a lot of people agreed, was that Apple should, like you said, from Doctor Gruber. Well, and also other people. He's not a like, doctor. Uh, he's not a real he's doctor. He's writing prescriptions. Renee, Renee <laughs> Richie from uh, iMore um, agrees. Go to iOS. Like, try, experiment. Release a couple games on iOS. The, yeah. But the point is... They did the Pokedex. Right. Compan- companion stuff. Feet in the water. Right. Yeah. I think that... Square's doing a lot of stuff on... If you put yourself in Nintendo shoes... nintendo And you're only going to make X number of Nintendo Nintendo games, like the Mario Galaxies and the people, ones that people really care about. Not new IPs necessarily. Yeah. But the ones with your characters and stuff and the ones that with... Using Miyamoto's time. That right. Mario Land for Wii U, by Miyamoto the way, I played can, that. It's fucking awesome. Miyamoto can only make so many games a year, and his 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 genius and his brand sells. And he's going to retire Nintendo games. No, that's his. I mean, no, no. But I mean, he, he, he will retire. Yes. There is a time <laughs> yes. in the future yes. when no, he, he is won't. going to not be <laughs> no, making no, games no. anymore. We <laughs> hope that he retires. Miyazaki like, is already retired. I would like for Miyamoto to live forever, but realistically, he is he is not a young dude anymore. From Nintendo's perspective, if you're, you're going to devote resources for an experiment, if you, one option is to experiment in iOS, put your foot in the water even more, and actually go full on and make a yeah 
a great Nintendo game sell for 20 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever, and reach 100 million people, that is a still bet. Or you could make a great Wii U game that you know everyone, high attach rate, 40 to $50. All 4 million people who own those systems will buy. Or a system seller. Or, or a system seller yeah. that will sell hardware that you're going to make some money on. Like, it's still easier to make the decision for them to go first gen. Here's the first party. Don't you think that that's just uh, kind of an ego trip? I, I think it's a business trip. I think, I it's, think it's I, it's I, a, if you look at the if you look at the cost benefit analysis, there are only so many. They, if they do dive in iOS, I think they're going to half ass it. I don't think they're going to put like the they'll put brand Pikmin on it. out. They'll either do an old game on iOS like that they don't have to they just have to port over. Like a Mar- which again people will buy a Mario Kart and iOS and old like I don't know man Mario Kart sixty four and iOS if they were talking about first party teams uh, they know interface better than anybody but I don't think the touch interface works for them they've kind of fucked up touch it would though. be a new game it, it, would, it would be a new type of game yeah I think that I, I don't know if they could do a great iOS game like they couldn't just, yes they know interface but iOS developers have been working on touch only for six years now. Yeah. And but they still haven't gotten to a point where, and there are some great touch games, but not they're still casual games. Yep. There's not a hardcore Mario or Mario Kart on iOS, and iOS only developers have been working on that problem for six years and they haven't solved it. Here's the other thing: is I look at, so there were definitely some great touch games for DS. There have been a handful of great touch games for 3DS, but the strength of those platforms compared to the phones is that they have physical controls. And if and, you look at what even my, the touch games are com- complement physical controls, yeah, almost always, yeah. There's been very few occasions, stuff like K- the Kirby Rainbow Road game or whatever it was, where you had to draw the lines with Kirby. That was fucking awesome on yeah. the DS. Most of the games are primarily physical controls. True. And while iOS seven supports physical controls, and people will be able to like I would. You can't count on your users having that's it. That's not hundred million. That's not, that's I'm gonna, a small fraction. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, if I could go to the App Store and buy a thing that was a link to the past. And then they mailed me a Nintendo gamepad to hook on the bottom of my phone and connected with Bluetooth. I would do that in no question at all. And I played a link to the past probably 15 times. I wouldn't five different platforms. I've made a lot of poor choices in my life. <laughs> it is a really good game though. Yeah. And, and they have dozens and dozens of really good games. If they started rolling them out on, on now that there's physical controls on that platform, it makes sense. I wouldn't because I'm also convinced that. Those, there's a huge market of iOS users who want the more than casual game, the four-hour game, five-hour game on the uh, on iOS on, on iPhone because your iPhone is not a game system. You're, well, you, you're, okay. no, you're not going to be sitting on your couch playing playing your game and then sucking all that battery life and then having to charge. I don't, under, well, I don't, I don't care don't on my couch. Your, I don't understand your argument that the, with the addition of physical controls, how is how is the iPhone now not both worlds? Five-hour games, casual game. Right, it, it, technically it can be then, but the phone, because it is more than that, is also y- your communication device and your phone. Yep. It, its value is more still more as that smartphone than it is as a game console, and because your the screen that, and the fair. battery power is limited, I'm I'm never going to sit on a bus and play a high graphic like like I could with you know a shield or yeah. or, I totally or, do, or, I, but I, or DS, but you do casual games. You do I t- t- I don't know. Some of those controllers could have batteries in them. And 2D games... That, that's, like, that's a way to solve that problem. And 2D games aren't... aren't like It's not like you're playing some fucking crazy 3D thing on uh, if you're playing NES games or SNES games on your... Like SNES games would translate very well to those that size screen. 
um, given, but but the problem with them is this lack of physics. The problem with all of the SNES emulators I've ever used on iOS is that the, the on-screen controls suck, and there's no good option for physical control. I think an easy way for Nintendo to make a lot of money, and it's a safer bet, if they wanted to go on iOS, is to do the the, the, the Wii, Wii Store style system where they release back catalog on iOS. Well, that's what, that's with what we touch just, controls? With touch or controls. Like tilt controls. And then the option to you do. You could do Mario Kart or something, I guess. Yeah. But um, not, not a full-on AAA Now, Android has investment. had third-party, uh, I'm sorry, physical control support since forever. Yeah. Is that not a phenomenon? Has that you not can, been successful? It's niche because it's all emulated stuff, so you have to get questionable, super-duper illegal ROMs, pirated ROMs, basically. It, the, the problem... What do you mean? The, the native, the, uh, the games that are written for Android don't support those there controllers? Aren't, there's not that great support for controller games in Android. Like old Xbox games, like Max Payne and stuff like that, work reasonably well. The support is there. It's problem that is that they're not developing f- with that in mind. Yeah. It's 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 like uh, it's like controller support for PC was uh, a while ago. Yeah. Um, yes, you can attach a gamepad, but it's the throw is gonna be a little off, and it, it's it's not polished. It's mm. the kind of thing that you like. Like clearly, somebody checked a box that was like, oh yeah, we should include hardware support, and then nobody ever plugged it in to test it. A lot of times. So yeah, it's it's I I don't think Nintendo is going to start releasing stuff on iOS anytime soon, guys. I don't want to break it to you. No, I just assume they should. They can make a hundred million bucks right there. Um, is that a number you reached through careful analysis? What? There's a hundred million iOS users, and you think you get a buck each sell from them? Two bucks, two okay. buck game. It's hundred million bucks. They could sell it for whatever they <laughs> wanted. I yeah. think I think that yeah. Nintendo looks at ninety nine cent games in the App Store as like everything on the top twenty being ninety nine cent no, games. But they could be the 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 thing that tips the scales. I mean, if they put out a Nintendo game, they could charge twenty bucks. Oh, it's, it's fi- uh, Square Enix does. I mean, all those yeah. Final Fantasy games, which have not aged well for the most part, are all fifteen or twenty dollars. Parents like, huh? Yeah. Spend extra hundred twenty-five dollars on a two DS, or spend twenty dollars and they get the Pokemon's right there on the, the phone they already have. I don't think they're ever going to release Pokemon's day and date on iOS and their platform. We'll see, man. You said that about Sega one day. I uh, no, I think we all thought the Dreamcast was going to bomb out. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I mean, we didn't do a podcast back then. That was before podcasting. No, no, no. I'm saying I don't remember you. I remember people st- saying, you know, Dreamcast is going to be fantastic. It's the best console it was ever. Really nice hardware. There's yeah. still no day and date for Sega. They do they do the back catalog stuff, you know, in HD remakes and stuff yeah, like that. That's true. Which is wonderful on iOS, but there's no. It's not day and date. They still do t- you know AAA games on next gen systems and PC. Yeah. By yeah. the way, the Pikmin three, awesome looking game. That'd be an amazing iPad game. I'm just saying. I had never thought Nintendo could make a game that looks that amazing. Well, HD, the kind of art that they've done that looks good in standard def for so long looks fucking amazing when you blow it. Have you, ever, have you played GameCube games on Dolphin? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wind yeah. Waker on Dolphin looks fantastic. I haven't played that, just Mario. It's but, great. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Sony's weird QX camera? Um, sure. You yeah, went and saw also this. at IFA. That the huh? lens? Yeah, the lens yeah. camera. You want to talk about it? Uh, I'd love to try it. It's kind of fear- funny. It's a cell phone attachment. So yes, uh, widely leaked last month. Um, see, leaked as a cell phone attachment. That's what you think it is because that's what the photos were, right? It, yes. It's hooked on the back of my phone, right? So what you can do, what it is, is it looks like a lens, a little zoom lens, and um, there's a clip that you clip onto the back of that, and you clip on your cell phone, okay? And you could take high quality pictures with your cell phone. That's one use case for it. Um, you can also take pictures. Hold on, do you, do you use the phone as the viewfinder in that case? It, so that has, has NFC built in, and because many Android phones have NFC built in, the moment you touch it to your phone, it activates uh, the Wi-Fi on your phone, launches mm-hmm. the app, and so you can. It takes about five ten seconds, 
and then you can that's use a it long as a time it is a long time it's so it doesn't but it doesn't communicate it doesn't send the picture stuff over nfc it just uses the just nfc to handshake to handshake for okay. wi-fi and that's why that's why you have to kind of that's why in that, in that model you touch it to the camera what the advantage we just discussed is launching the app for me nfc is launch, launches the app for you yeah, yeah. so, so you have wi-fi to use what? as a viewfinder yeah I can launch the app though myself. So is this you like can, a, like Yeager-ing like, where you where you drift in and then you just bump fists and then yes. you like you're powered right. up? Now my problem with this, and I think it's cool. I'd love to see the results, but you still got to go through your camera's optics. It's not like the phone has a better camera all of a sudden. It's got the same lens. It goes same through. Sensor. It goes through the optics of the new attachment that you're buying and your own. I mean, it's like it's just adding more layers of no, glass. no, 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 no. What the do you ki- mean? No, the the thing has a sensor on it. It's not like that's a cap that oh, sits see, on top is, of your existing this I camera. Didn't yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, it's not a cap that you put on top of your camera. It's lens lens so zoom the, system and and sensor so it's, it's all in ca- that round package. It. It's a camera itself. Okay, so it's, your phone becomes the viewfinder, and your then, phone is only the viewfinder. Yeah, and gotcha. storage device. So where where does it get stored on the on the lens? It can. St- there's an SD micro SD card slot, so you can store your pictures on there not raw jpeg only yeah or it can send the full res over to your camera when you're taking a picture funny with okay so so the question i have is does this let you do like mission impossible stuff where you just stick the yeah. camera around the corner and, that and you're viewfindering so many that bad, sounds awesome so many bad upskirt jokes like oh, that sounds bad yeah, yeah and, and in the commercials it's like oh you can like now explore caves and like you know put your camera up on a brick wall or something and use the viewfinder to take a picture tape or, your camera to or, your shoe or put it somewhere oh, in a place where like put it through a fence and take a picture you know because it's a camera, but then your phone is a viewfinder. Yeah, it's like a spy camera. It's, it is basically a very, very high-end spy How camera. How much does it cost? 500 bucks for the high-end one, 250 what? for the uh, the low-end one. Dude. So they're basically pricing it like a point-and-shoot. They're pricing it like a point-and-shoot because they basically are point-and-shoot technology inside. Does it collapse? It, it looks like a, like a puck, so it's, it collapses it to the size. It does collapse to a puck size. It doesn't have to be zoomed. Watch your language. Uh, it's about maybe like four, three to three inches tall. Okay. Collapse. Huh. So it's a roll. Um, my problem is that could you put it in your pocket? No, you can't put it in your pocket. It'd be an unsightly bulge. It, it, my je- jeans pockets, no. Jacket pockets, yes. Um, shoulder bags, everything else, yes. It seems like like just just from from I, at a very high level, this seems like a cool future idea. Hey, look, we took the parts of the camera that matter, put them into a non traditional form factor, and then let you let you leverage the thing that you're going to carry with you everywhere anyway. To do the stuff that you normally you would need the bigger thing for. I think they took the wrong parts of the camera that matter. Do they, so, what are, are the optics any good? The optics are great. Okay, uh, it's the the Zeiss optics with a so the, the same as the one inch sensor that one hundred the RX one hundred. What is that? Um, like a quarter inch. I mean, uh, one, the, quarter. the high one one was one inch, and the uh, two fifty one is one two third inch. Okay, um, which is like a high end point and shoot. Um, they want a camera. Like ideally, we want technology to make things smaller. Like. A lot of people think that big DSLRs are pointless now because you don't need that grip and that bulk. Well, it's nice. They're heavy. And what you really need is just storage, battery, sensor, and lens. That's why mirrorless cameras, those compact ones, they have the lens. You detach them, but they're small bodies and very great portable ever. So Mm -hmm. camera has the viewfinder, the lens or sensor, lens. That's really all you need plus battery and storage, right? Right now they're doing the lens and the sensor without the viewfinder. Which means if you you can't change a lens, the lens and sensor are packaged together. All you can do is you can change the viewfinder if you buy a new phone. Is it's there, over Wi-Fi anyway. Is there a physical zoom button on the camera? No. You have to use the software. You have to, uh, no, there is a physical zoom uh, on can, the camera. And, yes, and you can conceivably take pictures without having the camera there's attached a shutter button. if you, there's a, there's if you think you can like aim without seeing? There's a seeing? shutter button on the camera. Okay. So you can press the top button. And does it autofocus? Uh, it does. You have half push down. Um, 
Hmm. I would rather have you buy the sensor, which is the most valuable part of the camera, the thing you're going to upgrade every three years, right? A better low-light sensor, bigger sensor, mm-hmm. with a good viewfinder, and then it's interchangeable. With and mirrorless then, And then you buy whatever lens you want. That would be Isn't awesome. is that like the mirrorless cameras? Yes, but they make the mirrorless camera the size of a puck, a hockey yeah, puck. Right. Yeah. And then just have... And then... And then it's coming. I would be super into that. Because then, then you have something like, you're basically looking through a telescope. It's like the light Except it's digital. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you're just holding the lens with a great, uh, uh, you know, whatever su- nice LCD in the back that's not an optical viewfinder. But then you can swap that off and put a bigger lens on or, or macro lens on. And you upgrade that puck every couple of years with yeah. a better LCD or a better sensor, but you keep your expensive lenses. That's the future I want. This is not it. So we're on a we're we're on a death march of podcasts right now, and we have a lot of stuff to go to. So I'm, we're going to mow through the rest of this pretty fast. Um, HDMI 2.0 announced also at IFA. Uh, HDMI does 4K right now, but only at 30 FPS. Yeah. The new HDMI 2.0 will do 4K at 60 FPS. The, the theoretical bandwidth is up now to 18 gigabits per second. Uh, Takeaway overhead is about 14 gigabits, but that also means but it's using the same connectors and same cables. If you have a high high speed HDMI cable right now, it'll work. So that means don't buy a 4K no TV. No kidding. Don't buy a 4K <laughs> TV. <Celebration> bells. <laughs> Woo, yay! Does that mean your parking's up? Yeah. Um, uh, does that mean don't don't buy a 4K TV until it supports HDMI 2.0? Seems like. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's yeah, yeah, bad yeah. for the TV yeah. manufacturer. Well, no, because they're nobody's like they're still seven thousand dollars, so nobody's they buying just, them. They just came down pretty dramatically. Maybe and, like four thousand now. Maybe three. The Sony and the Samsung just dropped it. The one that was twenty five grand last year, or no, 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 the no. follow up to that no, one. No, a month ago or the past few weeks, uh, Sony and Samsung dropped the, their prices a thousand and and fifteen hundred. Oh wow! On the four Ks, that's good. Okay, so um, uh, Amazon introduced a couple of things this week. They accidentally leaked the paperwhite and then made it official. Without even doing an event or anything, they just put it on the homepage of Amazon, which I guess I think is that the it, way to the roll out like, new paperwhites. Yeah, they weren't going to do an event. Um, uh, there's not a whole lot that's changed. They're saying the color contrast on the screen is better. It's a little bit faster. They're doing some software changes that add um, Goodreads. Uh, Goodreads integration, which they bought earlier this year, as well as like a kid's corner kind of thing, the same as they do on the on the video, the tablet Kindle Kindles. Yeah. Um, they also introduced Matchbook, which is like their auto rip uh, function for books. So if your book is supported, if your publisher allows it, any book you bought from Amazon from 1995 on you'll be able to buy... pay full price for the book. Huh? You have to pay full price for the book. You couldn't... Well, no, it's not full price. You have to buy from Amazon, not from not from a third party. But it's only 20 bucks, books or more. Is that it? We used in 1995. No, no, no. No, I mean the year 1995. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so 1995 AD on, if you've purchased a paper book from Amazon, it could conceivably be eligible and just show up as an option to buy on your Kindle at a massively reduced price. So like 99 cents to $2, depending on the title. But you had to have um, bought the book from Amazon. Amazon proper, not Amazon Marketplace and sellers. selected publishers and titles. If it works like AutoRip, I don't know if you pay attention to your Amazon Cloud Player, but I've had a shitload of CDs show up after that initial wave that I bought from Amazon, and then now they're just there. That's an easy way for them to sell more Kindles later with higher capacity. I predicted AutoRip in the Max PC podcast days, by the way. I remember. It was a good idea. I just didn't think they'd ever get the studios to the the publishers to allow it. Um, I think this is great as somebody who sold, who well, donated all of my books to, um, and it gets you to buy the book. San again. Francisco Public Library. I will happily pay two dollars to get any of those that I want to read again in the future back versus six dollars. 
Um, I think it's awesome. Uh, this is the dumbest story of the week. Am, am, Android 4.4 is not going to be called Key Lime Pie, guys. It's going to be called Kit Kat. Is this the first Android to have a trademark? Yes. Uh, Zero dollars were exchanged. Well, fuck. Massive co-branding money. Like that. that yeah. Why would you not do that? The problem is KitKat is owned by Nestle. So if we're talking about companies that are evil and do things that are bad, Nestle is real high on that list because they, they – I'm – Four bars at all time. <laughs> oh, boy. You've been saving that one, haven't no, you? No, it was in the, – they did an ad. They did a, a mockumentary uh, or mock you commercial. Yeah. Spoofing Apple. It was on the site. Um, and it, that was – That was one of the jokes. You can use it. You can four ball yeah, yeah. – finger, the width of a finger, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Perfectly designed KitKat bar. Give me a break. Um, yeah, Nestle's evil. Uh, there's a new Yahoo logo. I think get more bars is such better than give me a break. As, as a, like, yeah, make use uh, of the bars. They've been, the pop culture. they've been branding give me a break for, what, 20, they, there's, since there's, I was there's, a kid? There's a jingle. Yeah. Do you know that Nestle owns KitKat in the rest of the world and Hershey's makes it here? I no. didn't know that. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they're the U.S. distributor for KitKat bars. Were you guys excited about that um, Google leak of the new phone? That, in the video? Yeah, yes. In the video, and then they took the video down. The Nexus 5? The, the Nexus, yeah. Was that exciting to you? It's interesting. It's, it looks like it's LG, if, if people who analyzed video frames were, were correct. Um, I'm, I mean, new Nexuses are always interesting. Do you think that was a, I th- on purpose? I think with no. The, no, they wouldn't have pulled the video if it was on purpose. I think that the Play Store... The play Google Play editions of the of the flagship phones from HTC and Samsung is renders the importance of Nexus a, a lot decreases the importance of Nexus. Hmm. Um, but still, it's good. That my, I love my Nexus Seven. It's great. I use it every day. I've almost stopped using the iPad Mini except for iOS games. I'm giving mine to G- Joey. Your Nexus Seven? Were you not going to have a tablet? Or are you going to go back to the iPad for photos? Well, I think Joey deserves it. I think that is great. Um, Work paid for it. Yeah. Um, there's a new Yahoo logo. Uh, they did a thing that I thought was really clever and did 30 days of, of alternate reality logos uh, leading up to the unveiling of the new logo. And it really reminded me a lot of the story that I don't even know if it's true or not, but of the eBay, the first big eBay redesign when they decided that they didn't want the site to be yellow anymore and they changed it to white overnight and people flipped out. So then they changed it back to yellow and lightened it one shade a day for 256 days until it was white and nobody noticed. Nobody complained. <laughs> so I think doing new new logos every day for 30 days kind of paved the way, and it's a, it's a good way to do that. It's a neat trick. Uh, do you guys like the new logo? Have you looked at it yet? It's like purple, it. and it has kind of the similar, similar O font. It's oh, not yeah. flat. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see the reason why that you should change it. Um, I like the old font just fine. You'll look. Yahoo! Um, new YouTube logo, too. Jeremy, you pointed this out. It's real flat. It's super duper flat. Yeah, I thought it was inspired by the new iOS 7 design, but they're rolling oh. it out everywhere. That's New Android looks pretty pretty much like that. It flat. looks like an Android. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amazon sells more volume online than the next 12 online stores, the next 12 biggest online stores. It's funny you bring that up because I just went, I was searching for prices on some hardware and i went to an old favorite of mine geek.com Ooh, you remember digging that? deep yeah it's a like great little mom and pop shop and they if you go to their website now it's gone they What's have it? closed their doors and they they're completely what is it right 
It's called Geek.com. Geek.com? Yeah, it's actually a California-based company. Huh. And they are blaming Amazon. They say they can't compete with them. But what, what's they can, they can afford to lose money. We can't. Man, we should buy Geek.com. I don't think we can get Geek.com. Probably <laughs> worth more than... Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff that stuff's gone away. Remember Price Watch? Sure. Yeah, we were talking about Price Watch the other day. I mean, that was a, that was a real revelation for me. Um, Amazon's basically Sears Roebuck at this point. If you're buying stuff online, if you're selling stuff online and you're not Amazon, you're probably not really making much of a dent in online sales. Uh, the Lenovo Yoga 2 was announced at IT, IFA? IFA. IFA? Uh, this morning. Uh, this is the Haswell Is it Yoga the 2? same as the other one, but Haswell? 13-inch only to Ooh. start. Uh, thinner, uh, a little beveled, slimmer, uh, backlit keyboards, uh, and the option for a quad HD screen, it's more than quad HD, but it's uh, whatever, 3200 by uh, 1800 resolution. 3200 by 1800. Higher resolution than my 30-inch monitor. That's crazy. On a 13-inch screen. What What is it going to be? That well, I guess option. Windows 8.1 handles that I better. I think it's stupid. Why? You don't need 32. Even Regardless of how Windows 8 handles it, you don't need 3200 by 1800 resolution screen on laptops. Give me better desktop panels. Give me better luminosity. It's only 350 nits too. So it's nits. Nits. How many Brightness. nits is your? How much? How many nits is my MacBook Air? That's about uh, that's about 350 to 400. But the MacBooks are so much brighter for some reason. Okay. Consistency. That's a backlight. You are unhappy with the high-resolution tablet. I'm unhappy with the decision to go with high-resolution tablets as well, opposed to brighter tablets. It's going to impact battery life. Well, you too, can. Right? You, there's an option not. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah. there, uh, there's an option not to get the high-resolution one. But to play that game, I think it's a waste of R and D resources. Um, we talked about the Apple TV. Uh, NASA 3D printed rocket motor parts that previously were like 31 individually machined parts. So they built the model they changed the design a little bit but they used a sls 3d printer which basically you know fuses metal in thin layers just like our uh, very similar to the shape waste printers you've seen where the model kind of, kind of rises up out of the foam yeah. the the foam pellets you suppose it's less expensive than machining them um it seemed like it was less expensive for sure uh they could iterate faster so instead of you know, if you look at the number of man hours in making 31 individual components for a single motor in a in a multi-motor rocket engine, then this means that they can try new designs much faster, I think, is, yeah, the, is the understanding. If it's cheaper, great. Um, and it also means that they can make designs that would be impossible to machine yeah. like or would be very difficult to machine. Robots don't need lunch breaks. <laughs> Thanks, robots. That was a subtle hint that I need a lunch break. Um, well, that'll do it for news this week. Uh, the good news for you, Norm, is we're only two or three segments away from being done with the podcast. Uh, let's take a break and talk about what we've been testing. I want more music than a tone. I clicked and I clicked and I clicked again. Uh, we did a video about the Leap Motion. It's not very good. You should watch the video if you're hesitant. If you're curious about buying one, it's, it's also crap. it's the most frustrating video to watch, and that's not a diss. That is, no. I was feeling your pain. So here's the thing: studio lighting do not make stuff that works on infrared work particularly well. However, the in a sitting in the studio where we sat to do where we sit to do all of our videos, this video and all the rest, it's not the lights that cause it to not work because even when the room's dark. It didn't work right because there's these big metal ducts up overhead and they reflect just enough that it got really confused. Um, even in my bedroom, 
or my, my office at work, which is a converted bedroom. There's nothing metallic on the ceiling, no overhead lights. It still isn't very good. What we showed was maybe 5% worse than it normally is. It is not a product you should spend money on. That's it. It did make me want to try the Google Earth thing. The Google Earth part is pretty cool. You can. I think I'd be good at it. I can make that. I can give you this experience. Um, I when I was in Seattle for PAX, I ran over to Scott Heimendinger's house, who you may know as the Seattle food geek. He years and years ago did a DIY sous vide machine that was like for seventy five dollars worth of parts. You could do an immersion circulator that would would let you sous vide meat. Um, do you know what sous vide is? Jeremy, you're looking puzzled right now. No. <laughs> so uh, the, the idea behind sous vide, it's a, it's a process that was invented in, I think, the 60s, is that basically when you cook meat, your goal is to put on something that's hotter than you want the meat to be and then take it off when it reaches the appropriate temperature so that it's cooked. Because the, the cooking process basically has to do with proteins denaturing and stuff like that. And that happens at specific temperatures. For the most part – heat goes out in. Right. So you put so say you want to cook a steak on a griddle, you put the griddle the steak on a thousand degree griddle where the metal's white hot. And then your goal is to pull that off as soon as the internal temperature of the meat reaches 125 or 130 degrees Fahrenheit, which is where your perfect medium rare steak comes in. The idea behind sous vide is that the the linger time doesn't matter that much. So why not put a, a your piece of meat in a sealed plastic bag? sink it in a bucket of water that's exactly the temperature you want the meat to end up and then just leave it there long enough for the meat to reach that, reach that temperature. Now, there's a more complexity to it because if you have something that's like that's a, a kind of naturally tough piece of meat like a pot roast or short ribs that has a lot of collagen and connective tissue, you want to let that sit long enough that that collagen and connective tissue break down into gelatin. But basically, the idea is you reach the meat when – when your New York strip reaches 130 degrees, it's done and then – you can take it out and finish the outside so you get a Maillard reaction and get the nice brown tasty bits that end up on the outside of a piece of steak. So with sous vide, what you do is you put it in a bag, you heat the meat to the exact temperature you want by keeping the water at precisely the temperature you want. And then then you do that. You can do it with eggs. You can do all sorts of stuff. Sous and it cooks it consistently through. There's no red center. So you end up with – if you cook the – if You cook you do it for a lot longer than you would. Not necessarily, but an hour versus You're saying the linger yeah. doesn't matter. The part. linger, the linger matters in that the longer it sits, the more of the connective tissue will break down. So if you put a really nice steak in and let it sit for twelve hours, it's going to be like a jet mushy mess because all the collagen is going to break down. It'll be terrible. But yeah, so you take you can take once you take the steak out of the bag, you finish it either on a hot cast iron skillet or take it on your grill and put it on real high heat just to brown the Give outside. Or you can even take like a blowtorch and just you know run it run it down the side. Yeah, real man. Um, but but the idea is that you have a very thin layer of of the Maillard reaction, and then the rest is just perfectly medium rare, evenly all the way through. Got it. That was a long description. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Um, why why are you telling me about this? So I went and saw the Sanzare, which is Scott's new Kickstarter for an immersion circulator. It's a two hundred dollar machine. Um, which is very inexpensive in that realm for something that promi- that should that seems like it's quite good at first reaction. I actually saw a couple of them in of the pre-production models in in action, um, and, it, and it looks great. It looks really good. Cool. So you buy this little thing that looks like a thermos. It looks uh, like a pepper grinder, size of a size of a pepper grinder or a thermos, and you strap that onto a bin, water, or a, just a or pot, tub or a pot, yeah. 
and put your vacuum sealed bag of meat or just, just straight up eggs in there. Or a Ziploc even because the temperatures don't, yeah. Ziplocs are fine for the temperatures you use. And have some really good restaurants. Yeah. If you've eaten, let's see, if you've eaten at, if you've ever eaten at a restaurant and you've had a, a piece of red meat that was like, you know, a 16th of an inch brown edge when you cut into it and then the rest is just pink all the way through, it was most likely sous vide. Oh. Um, so yeah, the, the existing circul- immersion circulators are either not very good, have some kind of problem, like they can't do enough water to do a large ba- a batch of ribs or something like that, or they were crazy expensive. There's a polyscience circulator, and I think their entry-level model is like $450 or something like that, which is, which is more expensive than you know, most people are going to use for what's a fairly yeah, limited-use thing. This yeah. is 200 bucks, and it seems really good. Um, the controls are really simple. There's a spinny knob on the top that you twist to uh, to uh, adjust the temperature, and it's a tenth of a degree precision Celsius, which is important if you want to do things like soft eggs, 65 degree Celsius eggs, and stuff like that. Heating element, thermometer, and a motor, uh, and, a, and a circulator, a blender. Yeah, you'll let us know when the Kickstarter goes live. The Kickstarter is finishing tomorrow morning. Tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in on that, has it? It's it's, it's it is seven hundred plus percent funded. Hot damn! People were really excited about it, and he has he and his team of people seem to have their shit together. They sent it off for cert already, so like they're getting underwriters labs certification, the whole thing. Cool. Um, and I think it works on two twenty volt as well. If you're a euro or Japanese person, that was one of the the uh, stretch goals. Stretch goals. Um, Norm, you've been using the shield for roughly forty eight hours. Yeah, a little more than that, and. Uh, First impressions? It's not a very good Android tablet. Okay. <laughs> have you tried streaming PC games yet? Because that's what I'm interested in. We'll oh. be using that today. Okay, we'll try that. We'll, we'll let you know about that next week or maybe the week after. Um, I got an automatic... Driving thing? It's a driving thing, yeah. So um, pretty much every car made after 1996 has a standardized data port on it. It's the thing that has like little prongs on either side of a plastic stump and you just... Like if diagnostic you, it's port. a diagnostic port. Yeah. So this thing plugs into that and you cook it up your phone with an app and it does things like tells you what your mileage is. Sometimes you need these to reset the check engine light yourself. Exactly. You can use you can use it for that. Um, but this is more to give you like metrics on your driving. So this is the app and it tells me that on my way into work today I drove 16.6 miles. I spent three dollars and one cent worth of gas. Wait, based your on, car knew this? Well, the app. Yeah, yeah. Because my car knows how fast it's going. Well, the phone knows how fast it's going and where where you're going, what the distance traveled is, because it tracks the route with location services. Huh. Um, it tells me that I didn't do any hard braking, which is good for fuel economy. It tells me that I didn't do any hard acceleration, which is also good for fuel economy. It tells me that I drove uh, less than a minute over seventy miles an hour because I was passing someone once. Um, I spent $11 in fuel this week. I've gotten 19.3 miles per gallon average in my escape, and I spent two hours in the car. That is a lot of information. It's it's kind of cool. How much is it? 70 bucks, I think. All right. Also, it kind of sticks out in the bottom left. Like it tank, depends it's on... like a tank of gas for me on a bad day. Yeah. Well, it also, if the check engine light comes on, it tells you what the actual problem is instead of just saying, hey, you need to go to the dealership exactly. so you can make yeah. the judgment they, they yourself. Have those techn- if you just want that, there are many cheaper options. That's like, tw- yeah, those are 20 bucks at AutoZone, basically. Right. With, this their, has, with their own screens. Yeah. But this is just app, an app-based one. Um, it has all the data. And so do you leave it in your car? You leave it in the car. All the time. Yeah. The neat thing about it is that when you do the behaviors, it, it's, it's kind of like driving. You know when you were learning to drive and you were driving with your dad and he'd yell at you and you brake too hard? 
it kind of does that because when you hit the brakes too hard, it, it it makes a little chiming noise. It's like, hey, dummy, you just hit the brakes too hard. Yeah, I know. I hit the brakes too hard. When you accelerate too hard, <laughs> I don't need that. It makes a me. chime noise. <laughs> it also beeps when you go above seventy miles an hour because no, that's when your fuel efficiency that's so dies. Annoying. You can configure. You can that. turn all of that stuff off. Oh my god, it's like having a, a someone in the passenger seat. You just broke too hard. Yeah. It's I a, know. I, I was annoyed by that within about 10 minutes. I'm leaving it on just to see if I change my behaviors. <laughs> my uh, hunch is that I probably won't. I kind of want one now. It's, it's, if you like Fitbits, it's like a Fitbit for your right. car. Yeah. Um, anything you've been testing, Jeremy, you want to talk about? No, man. Let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, I think we're going to skip. No new gear? Uh, like I said, I've just been, you know, in this coding land. Uh, uh, right. That's it. Just coming up for air. Anything you, well, you'll talk about that when you're done. Yeah. Um, it seems like the next door neighbors are doing some hard songs, so we're going to take one question and wrap it up. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. Neo, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. If you have a question for This Is Only a Test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Keep it short, under 45 seconds, and make it sound like you're not in a place where some people are sawing concrete next door. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, here is our first question. It comes from Scott. He says, hey, Tested, I have a quick question for Norm. What advice do you have for taking good pictures at cons? I have a Canon SLR, an older Rebel EOS XSI 450D, and was curious if you have some general camera settings, types of lenses, or shooting techniques you recommend for shooting in this environment. Uh, I'm from a small town in Ohio called Findlay. There's a rumor that the inspiration for Dave Thomas's Wendy's restaurants came from a burger spot we have called Wilson's. Also, Mark Metcalf, who is the maestro on Seinfeld, is from here. Thanks, and always be testing. Thanks for asking. Uh, it's a good thing that I have a column that I write on the site every week that addresses this topic. You should go read it. Well, it's not just con photography. It's, you talk about other stuff, too. Well, there you go. And con photography is a big part of that. I've never seen you so bitter. You're just bitter. I, I'm You're hungry. hungry. I'm hungry. My gosh. Do you have any, had, any high points? I had three and a half hours of sleep, and I'm hungry. Fast lenses? Uh, it's all spend more money on gear, I guess. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, nice gear and go a long way. But you don't need it. When I asked you if you wanted to answer this question, <laughs> that wasn't the answer that I was, was expecting. That was two and a half hours ago after one false start. Uh, that false start is going to get used. People, um, people like those nice depth of field shots. You want a nice low f-stop to give you that. You want to be able to you know, control your focus, get it on what you want, and blur out the background. Try that. You like that. An expensive fast lens. Yeah, yeah it's expensive. That's expensive. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, we're in a very fortunate position where we have access to some good gear uh, that we can borrow, and that that helps a lot. Well, so the other, but the other thing though is, if you want to try other stuff, you can use services like borrow lenses and stuff like that to relatively inexpensively rent expensive lenses for the one or two weekends a year that you'll use them, um, which we've used to great benefit before we had access to a lot of good gear. Uh, and I guess that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we have a bunch of great stuff on the site. Uh, Wes, Wes is, if you watch the YouTube channel, you saw Norm and Wes talking about a feature that I think is really awesome. And it shows our new feature layout. Uh, but it's about the weirdest thing I never knew existed. Um, there was a arena show that celebrated all of the George Lucas film properties in you mean the, the Disney film properties. No, George, at back, the time, this is old. So it was the Lucasfilm stuff, including Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Willow. It was American Graffiti in there. Howard the Duck. THX 1138. The Tucker's last one. Tucker, A Man in His Dream. The Man in His Dream. Um, and it, it was a Japanese arena show, like a thing that went to, I assume, like civic auditoriums or throughout Japan. 
the interesting thing that a lot of stuff didn't make in the story um, when we did the interviews, uh, but uh, the arenas they went to was interesting uh, because these were facilities that weren't like sports arenas. They were uh, test-taking arenas. Oh, like so where you go to your prefecture so to take your... Where like thousands of people would go to take tests and then the seats would like, you know... That's very Battle re- Royale. Re- re- rearrange and, it would, and then they can do performances there. So they don't have facilities like they don't do the monster truck rally in the Kyoto prefecture civic auditorium spelling bees and math quizzes. Um, There are a couple of like you should read the story. It's great. And we'd love to know what you think about the new um, uh, new feature design. Uh, But if you like it, share it with your friends and, and encourage them to come over and check it out because that that lets us do more things like that. And watch your John Landis interview because I want to see more of those. That's uh, cool. So, yeah, Adam sat down in the talking room with Landis. That was a good segue. Um, John Landis directed Animal House, Blues Brothers, um, Spies Like Us, um, American Werewolf in London, uh, Thriller, the Michael Jackson music video, Trading Places, Trading Places um, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and a significant portion of the Kentucky Fried movie. Um, and he and Adam sat down for about an hour and talked about, uh, like what, what, how movies have changed in the last 30 years. Uh, they talked a lot about like Rick Baker and special effects in American werewolf. They talked about John Belushi directing John Belushi in animal house. They, there were a couple of good dick jokes. Like it's all around a good conversation. Um, and definitely if you, if you're into that sort of thing, you should watch that and check it out. Uh, and then the last thing is that Norm's Dragon Con Gallery, which was, as always, amazing, but shows off a level of costume that I kind of didn't expect to see, um, is is worth your time. And then we'll have more stuff from Dragon Con. Uh, there's a video with the, about the Sansara on the site right now. You can check that out if you're interested in sous vide. Um, and, uh, you know, just general stuff and things. So that'll do it for us this week. Uh, if you want to hear the PAX conversation, you know, while we were doing the podcast, I actually read the the post by gabe about the apology post and it seems like part of it was them getting quoted out of context uh well according to him of course uh part of it is you should just read the post but but i'm going to leave the other stuff there at the end because we said we would so uh, it won't be on the youtube version but it will be on the audio version so if you want to listen to that then you can skip forward to like uh, two hours and 37 minutes or something into the audio version and it'll be there uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for coming. Jeremy, anything to plug? No. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming by, man. It's fun. We'll see you guys uh, next time on another edition of This Is Only a Test. Bye-bye. Oh, today's outro is brought to you by 333. Hi there. I didn't see you. Test it. Coming down the hill. It's really steep right here. Driving. Okay, let's start the show. It's September 5th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com.
Will Smith. Joining me today, fresh back from Dragon Con, where I don't think you saw any dragons at all, Norman Chan. I've, I saw one person make that joke. Really? I, I was it funny when you saw that happen nope. or not so much? Nope. Are you, was that including me or someone else? Not including you. Oh, so there's two people who made that joke yes. now. I'm very exhausted. To Norm's left, Jeremy Williams. Hi. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It's good to have Thanks you back. Thanks for coming. I, you're, you're, Jeremy, you're my favorite guest. I am both tired and ignorant, so what could go wrong? It's perfect. <laughs> you're filling the Gary Witter role. <laughs> now, don't be mean. Um, I, we don't normally talk about t-shirts anymore, but that t-shirt is dope. Oh, yeah. This is from Super 7. Super 7. Yeah. Yeah. Locals only. It's from San Francisco. Don't tell anybody where it is. Oh, I already did. Just now. But, but like, you could be more specific. You could say it's on Hate Street between like Masonic and right on. whatever, Schrader or something. I think they got, I don't know if they got sued or they had to change their name. I think I was always confused because like, like uh, Super Eight that was the movie. Super Eight is the Super Eight yeah, was yeah. JJ Abrams movie, right. and then there was some confusion. I can't wait to show that movie to my son, but he's only six. What, what's what do you think the cutoff on that is? I'm guessing it's like 10? at least ten. Do you show Stand by Me first, or did you show that first? I think oh, you show Stand, Stand by, by Me, me for sure. Double feature that. So yeah. this isn't a dad cast, obviously, but you are a dad. And in other podcasts we've done, we have talked about movies showing the the, the wonderful. Looking forward to showing movies to your children. Well, well, well curating the movies, and, and it's it's a topic we've talked about many times. But everyone has their own selection, and there are of course shared pools of movies that everyone wants to show. It, I haven't seen anyone say they want to show Super Eight, but it says a lot about you. Like, oh, I thought it, I thought it was like the Goonies for the new generation. I thought it was great. Like if that's what he was trying to do, I thought that was the like captured admirable. But is yeah. it something that you want your son? to watch that movie and want to be like those kids. I want to see I want him to see kids as heroes. Exactly. So you want them to be like, yeah. like the heroes like those kid heroes and, right. and like filmmaking into that kind of stuff and you know and that's very cool. Like uh Adam showed his sons. He was very proud and he's very happy to show his sons Leon the Professional. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's like a more of a being a badass kind of a thing. And his kids loved it, right? I think they did. Yeah. yeah. Well they're 14 so it's like that is the right age to watch the professional yeah um i just like introducing the the munchkin to new stuff like right now it's just food and also she learned to high five this week oh that's cool high-fiving like you put your hand up and she looks at it and then she's like can i move my hand and get it in the right place i think i probably can and lifts it up yeah and just ever so lightly touches it every time that that relationship becomes more and more two-way it's just makes it all worth it really cool Mm mm-hmm um, highly recommend it. If I told somebody the other day if I had had kids when I was 26, I'd be one of those people with like 12 kids by now because it's really fun. Um, would Gina? I don't think she would be on board for 12. Okay. <laughs> you could adopt. We could just we'd, – we'd have like six and then start adopting I think. Yeah. It's a little late now. Um, so last week was, we did a dad cast. So we didn't talk about tech news. We're going to catch up on all the, the big haps from last week like you know Balmer retiring and – the Nintendo 2DS and all the other weird stuff that happened last week. But first, I think we should talk about uh, Dragon Con and PAX. All right, so you were at PAX. I was at PAX. How was PAX? Uh, PAX is always good. I, I There's been a little bit of brouhaha after that, which we're not going to get into here. Really? I haven't decided how I feel about it. Well, Gabe just posted something today. Oh, did he, did he apologize? It was a, I was wrong. I, I didn't read it. I, I, read I haven't the, read it yet. I read the, oh. F- you read somebody linking to it on yes, Twitter. Yes. What happened? So... Remember the, t- the, 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 they had a rape joke a few years ago. Mm. It was a borderline rape. I, I would not call it a rape joke. It the, was a comic strip. And, and for the record, I, 
I'm totally on the side of the people who think that they those guys are jerks. And I think they handled it really poorly and, and handle things poorly in general, many things poorly in multiple general. times. Um, but there was a comic strip that I, in one of the panels reference. Uh, it was a wow joke. I, I went back yes. and looked at it to see what the, the panel was. Right. Um, the, the, the joke was when you're doing a question in MMO and you have to go and you're rescuing slaves from some slave pit and it's like rescue five and then you get to the sixth one and it won't let you rescue him. And he talks to you and he's like, hey, would you rescue me too, please? And he's like, well, I can only rescue five for this quest. And then the, the joke is that every night we're raped to sleep by dick wolves. So it was a Prometheus uh, yeah. thing. But instead of being, you know, having your heart bit out by vultures, which I, I, I guess that would be better. That would be more PC. It's uh, not, I don't think it's about being PC. The, the whole point is it's a but the, rape the, culture The crux issue. of that joke was this idea of dick wolves. No, the crux of the joke was being raped to sleep. I, I, know, I understand, but the, what, what was supposed to make it funny was <laughs> oh, the, the that dick it's wolves. an imaginary thing, right? Yes, but it's, that dick wolves is only funny in the context of an, a terrible thing. So then there was a controversy, right? And they made a T-shirt uh, about the dick wolves, not the right way to handle the situation. Very clearly, um, and it went on and on. They pulled the T-shirts eventually. And it packs this weekend on Sunday or Monday during the interview where Jerry and Mike are interviewed by yeah on stage interview in front of like fifteen thousand people. They asked Robert Koo, who's their business manager, asked and was also doing the interview. So it's a, I would assume it was a fairly friendly interview, but I haven't seen it. Asked uh, what 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 if Jay they Leno would friendly. I don't know if it's Jay Leno friendly. I mean, I don't think you can get Jay Leno friendly unless you have a really huge chin. And Koo's a pretty normal looking guy. Um, they asked he asked if they would have done anything differently this is all like third hand as i understand it and he's like well if i did anything differently i probably wouldn't have stopped selling the shirts ah. and he said that to cheers in the audience. and then people started cheering of course they love him yeah yeah so it just brought back into sharp relief that you know even though it's the the number one rule of pax is that you you basically it's wheaton's law you're not supposed to be a dick be inclusive and be inclusive and you know furries are welcome in the whole thing it's um People are can be inconsiderate when in a mob mentality. Yeah, or not just think things. So anyway, yeah. anyway, Pax is weird. There was some controversy, regardless of. However, that, people who attended still had wholesome fun. I mean, that, the thing about Pax and the reason I like going to Pax is that when you go someplace, it's the kind of place that you can go grab a board game, sit down at an empty table if you can find one. And put out a piece of paper that says, I'm a noob, I would like to learn this game. And within like 10 minutes, four people will be there. And people will offer to teach you, walk you through, the, like with board games, crazy stuff. And it, and it goes for everything. Old old arcade games, old console uh, games, board games, PC stuff. Did you feel like PAX was too big, that's too crowded, or more crowded this year than before? So I, I, that is the one big thing that I like usually you can kind of walk around pretty easily. Because, okay, so there's first off, we should explain what PAX there's a there's like a show floor that's kind of like a mini E3. There's all sorts of free play areas that are dedicated to specific things like old console games, arcade games, PC stuff, D&D, Magic the Gathering, German board games, um, Nintendo DS, like street – there's a whole street pass. Like you go just sit and play street pass and play multiplayer 3DS tournaments. And what is it, 100,000 people? Uh, it's What? It's a lot of people. So it's wow. at the Seattle Convention Center. 50. That's incredible. So it's Seattle Convention Center, which is a uh, five or six-story tall building, the heart of downtown Seattle, and they first hosted it there. It couldn't take up like 
half of that. I think they first hosted in a hotel. Right. But when, when they first moved yeah. there, they couldn't even fill up half that space. Now that space is too small for them. Well, now that like some of the some of the free play areas and a lot of the panels are in like ballrooms of surrounding hotels. The, the tabletop free play that I never got to in one of the like supplemental hotels was supposed to be enormous. And and it's really neat because you can go and like you hand somebody your driver's license and they'll you can check out board games. So if you want to try like I love to go and just sit down and play board games with random people and people who read the site and whatever. Um and it is a very inclusive thing. It's especially powerful for you know we we are lucky to live in an area where we're surrounded by people who share similar interests. You know, we we work with people who are into video games and board games and and we have, get to have those conversations all the time. But I feel like from talking to people a lot of the guys and and, and girls women who come are are don't have that kind of environment around them all the time or if they do it's a special occasion. You know, right. they get their friends in they play they play games one night a month. Um so this is like an intense dose of that but it's not just your people you already know that are in your circle. It's everyone around you is into the same thing. So my recommendation. Because, so it's unfortunate that yeah. the controversy has has arisen. And, it's a great event. It seems like the controversy is it hasn't really reached outside of PAX. Am I wrong? Uh, Wired just did a big story, great story it, on it, and on I the controversy. On the controversy, and many people have written blog posts and and they've been shared around and like, great great opinions on it. It's that's, that's um, too bad because it's not what PAX is all about. It, it, it on its face, it's not. I think that uh, the pe- what people should do is take advantage of PAX being there because PAX isn't going away anytime soon and start doing their own events around PAX at the same time to take advantage of those network effects of the of people. people being there. Well, like the the Dota, three ter- Dota 2 tournament. People, it's tough to get tickets to PAX, but I think people just fly to Seattle, book a hotel room, and then you know set up your own little board game meetup yeah. during that yeah. week. And then you don't have to pay. You know, pay, none of your money goes to PAX. You get all the same benefits of all that camaraderie. And people are there, well, and you know the worst thing is you don't get to play the uh, the games in the the show hall. That's it, and those are long lines anyway. So here's the thing that 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 bums me out about it is that like those guys, like I I see I see both sides of this. I understand the argument about about fostering rape culture being bad, and I think that is absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, what I disagree on is that. I, I don't think those guys ever set out to be a face of of a movement. You know, they they are funny guys who make a thing that's funny, and I think that they haven't grown in their heads beyond two dudes who sit in their their ba- that's, their that's, hold that's, on okay their two bedroom apartment and like they they th- they see themselves as comedians and like there's a kind of a different different structure different expectation for like a stand up comic on a stage than I would have for somebody that has a website that gets five or 10 million views every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 10, five or 10 million visits every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And I, I think they have to kind of resolve that in their heads and decide either, Hey, we're going to be these people. Like we're going to be the comedians or we're going to be the face. And if they're going to be the face, they have to stop the anti-transgender and Dick wolves jokes. And if they're going to be the comedians and they have to separate themselves from the rest of the, the, from the from the charity which does good work and the convention which does good work, and and let PAX be PAX and not the Penny Arcade Expo. Too late. It's way beyond that point. The, the, fa- the at, at a point where they are putting themselves on the stage and being celebrities, it, coming to terms with your set your own like where you are in the internet community, way too late for that. I mean, well, for them. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying is they have to do if they that want to. That decision should have been made a long time ago. It's, Fuck, it's, it's I don't think this has started now. streaming.